and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I am Kirby. Hello. And uh, this week, today, we are going to be talking about the Slipgate Choke Point RPG, which is a supplement for the Stay Frosty RPG. And obviously with me is not Hunter because this person said their real name. Um, this is, as I said, Kirby of Disaster Tourism. Kirby, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing Evening. pretty good. Evening, yes. Yeah. yeah, my morning. Yeah. Um, so for those that haven't watched you on our stream previously, um, who, who, who the heck are you? Uh, I am the, I guess, lead writer, although I'm kind of the only writer, uh, at Disaster Tourism. Um, we write make cool stuff we make games i guess not not so many games anymore as much as trying to publish more supplemental stuff but um yeah disastertourism.games you can find stuff there it's cool i'm bad yeah. at describing myself and what i what i do <laughs> i think you're good the the uh definitely make some amazing stuff you know put out some uh, nice shirts on oh, yeah, places yeah. and things and you know Really good friend of the show. Um, so if you uh, if you're listening um, and you have not checked out Disaster Tourism, first of all, shame on you. And second, go check out um, all of their content. It's really really fantastic. And we're going to talk about a little bit of supplemental contact for one of your games today in just a little bit. But um, as I said, the plan is to go over um, Slipgate Choke Point, which is a kind of like. It's like if 90s Doom was a was a tabletop role playing game, which is absolutely fantastic um, really with some beautiful art. Cool. Oh, it's so good. Beautiful art from Andrew Walter, which will yeah. will show off a little bit. And it's all based on State Frosty, which you need to play this. We're going to flip through this real quick as well. Um, but prior to doing any of that, um, there are a couple of Kickstarters still going on right now, kind of like, you know, I guess post Zemo, I think some of them maybe started during February, but I think we're pretty much past what when anyone would call Zemo um, or Zine Quest or, or the, the month of Zines, February. <laughs> um, and uh, one of them is based on uh, some of your work. You put out uh, a game called Weird, W-I-R-D. Yeah, last uh, May, I think I, I published it initially. So almost a year ago. Yeah, it feels I feel like I don't understand how time works anymore because there's, it literally feels like last week. Like, honestly, seriously, it's, it's crazy to me. It feels like three years ago. So it's just like, I don't, <laughs> you know, it, it's 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 kind of interesting how it works. But uh, a couple of people have put out some uh, content for it. Um, I know that um, you're putting out some supplemental content for it. I think the the weird system is getting like a, a framework because it's, it's ultra light which makes it really easy to kind of like tack stuff on for whatever game you want to play. So there's a lot of things like the profane weird and, and what, you know, whatnot that are out. But one of the ones that's on Kickstarter right now funding, let me kick over to that page, um, is a little game called Weird Dungeon. So yes. do you want to talk about Weird Dungeon a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So this is not my project, uh, but I am loosely tied to it in that uh jeffrey baker from happy jack games is using the weird framework um to build this um or i guess he already did um it's it's a very cool um book i actually had the opportunity to play it the other night with um 
Tony at plus one EXP and um, a couple other people. I can't remember who else was in the group. And that's because I have a bad memory. But anyway, um, it's a really cool, uh, really cool book. It has 11 D66 tables in it that basically allow you to uh, generate a mega dungeon on the fly, um, including uh, factions and uh, relationships for those factions. Um, there's, uh, I think there's, uh, level names and, um, trap lists and enemy types and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and it just uses the standard weird framework that I, that I created last year. Um, and it doesn't really expand on that specifically. Um, it just kind of tacks on a bunch of extra shit, which is really fucking awesome. Uh, and I'm, I'm in love with it for several reasons. One of course, is that it's expanding on something that I made, but also it's just a really cool book. Um, even if you don't want to play with the weird framework, you don't even need to play with the weird framework. You can play it with anything um, because a lot of it is just, they're just lists of ideas and concepts. Um, and we ran uh, a very cool for solo play. Yes. I, I think that um, Jeff Jeffrey is currently working on a supplement already for this for weird dungeon for uh solo play um i i believe he told me that a couple couple days ago um but it's it's just it's awesome i mean we we ran through two and a half hours i think of play uh and it's prepless like completely prepless and it was a legitimate two and a half hour level in a dungeon and it was fucking it was great it was just really fun um definitely back it even if you like i said even if you don't want to play with the weird framework it's 11 d66 lists of really cool stuff that you could use in any game you want to play um you know prompts for for levels and level you know factions and traps and all kinds of shit it's it's just really cool and the art is yeah. fucking amazing <laughs> yeah i was gonna say the art looks really really fantastic i love this cover art piece here the uh, prison yeah. of the mute titan um it's like a giant you know uh titan on a throne but it looks like it's actually like and you can see tiny little people like going into the building which yeah. which they are um there's some uh there's a floor worm um piece um and and the uh the the titan is the cover i love this this navy and gold color color really that cool, they have right? for this yeah it looks fantastic um and uh and it's it's relatively inexpensive you know if you um if you want to go full hardcore with the dungeon print and art book, it's only $35, but the PDF is only 10 bucks and the um the uh print and PDF is only $20 with add-ons for for uh, a couple of other things. So, uh it's 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 inexpensive especially for the number of lists like you said and and the amount of gameplay you can get for a pretty inexpensive project. So, this is a really neat one. You know, we love weird here um on uh, on the weekly scroll. You know, and not just because it's from, you know, a good friend, Kirby. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's how we met you in the first place. I had it on my shelf forever. And then it was like, hey, you want to come chat? So, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so this is a fantastic project. It's only got five days left to go. So if you're listening, by the time this hits podcast or YouTube, you probably only got like two or three days left. Um, so I would highly recommend you going to go snag that. It's, uh, what, one, two, three, four. So it's like the 16th it'll be done because today is the 10th. So yeah, right. so that's the first project we wanted to talk about today, which is Weird Dungeon. So definitely back that. Um, definitely excited to get that. So that should be neat. Um, the next one is a project that we actually had on the show 
I, was it last week? I think maybe it was last week. Um, it's called You're in Space and Everything's Fucked. Um, it is a terrifying tribute to sci-fi horror in the form of a visceral, no-prep tabletop role-playing game. So this is from uh, Nevin Holmes of um, uh, Dinoberry Press, who also did some amazing things like Just a Car. Um, we, had, we reviewed Gun and Slinger on the show before. So we actually had Nevin on the show to talk about that and to talk about, you know, You're in Space. Um, and then actually had an actual play um, of this that we ran. So you definitely want to go check that out. Um, it was a really, really fun time. I love a lot of these, like, no or very minimal prep things. I don't, I'm just too, fuck it, my brain does not work well enough to get a 600-page book and prep, like, a three-year campaign. Like, I just can't fucking do that shit anymore. Um, so this one is super fun. It's super visceral. I mean, it really, really... I mean, when we were playing, she gets fucked up really fast. Like, you're, it's just horror and, and blood-drenched violence, which is really fantastic and a really streamlined system. Um, it is trying to get to 28,000, roughly, and it's already at 26,000 in the first couple of days, um, and it's absolutely worth it. I backed at um, the, well, you know, if there's a limited edition tier, anyone that listens to the podcast of course knows that, yeah, that yeah. I can't not... Um, my next Kickstarter, I got to make something just ridiculously expensive just so I know that I can get at least that from you. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if you've ever seen a Max Moon Kickstarter, you know that the top uh, tier is always going to go. So, uh, you know, um, but yeah, it, it's a fantastic um, game. Um, it's for two to five players and you basically play in an isolated hostile space station um, as a survivor trying to um, basically survive. You know, think um, think Alien. Um, and uh, just a lot more blood, to be completely honest. Um, it, you get two books with it. You get the um, uh, the station book, and you get the strugglers, is what the players are called, which I really love. Um, but it's designed so that if you're a struggler, you do not read the station book, which is basically the GM book. So there's no... Because you learn about the monsters as you play. So as you be, as you fight them once, you can learn their weaknesses for the next time you fight them. So you can like learn from your play, depending on how long you want to play. So it's good to not have a lot of that information. Um, and as I said, there are um, multiple tiers. The limited edition tier comes with two hardcover versions, which are absolutely stunning with these like skulls on them, black and red. They're beautiful. Um, it comes in a box. It's got um, skull fucked dice and it comes with uh, like an ID badge that's like erasable. So you can actually have like a station ID badge when you play, which is super fucking cool. So a lot of fun stuff that comes with the project um, and a lot of the stuff can be added as add ons. And they're actually doing a lip balm and beard balm from plus one EXP Gold as part of the project, too. Yeah, right. Um, Love yeah, so um, those are fun add-ons you can have. Oh, and look at that. We got the Adventure Archive actual play right there on the page. That's us. Yeah. Um, as well as APs from, uh, from Plus One. And then uh, Stretch Goals, what I really want to see. Uh, Christian Sorrell is an amazing yeah. person, an amazing Absolutely. writer. They're the first Stretch Goal at 32,000. Would absolutely love to see them on... Um, uh, in the in the project as well, you get Raina M um, and Nim as well, writing some extra content. So um, really great looking project. You definitely want to check that out. It has quite a bit. of t It's got 26 days to go. So I'm yeah. not really worried about it funding. I just would really love for it to hit all of its stretch goals, which would be really fantastic. So that's again, you're in space and everything's fucked. Um, the last one I want to talk about today is called Hell Piercers. 
This one mm. looks really fucking cool. It's uh, tactical, harrowing action. It says, hell is a prison. Break its bars. Tactical, hell-slaying action with base building, overwhelming build options, and map-based strategy. And this is from Sandy Pug Games. Um, and actually, you know, first of all, the art, stunning. I, you know? I love that that art right there. It's very cool. And... Um, so long story short, the story of this is that six years ago in the center of on um, in the center of a city on the moon made of ruined brass and arcane ritual, the Council of Socialist Gnostics perverted the magic of heaven to tear the fabric of reality and peer into the pit. And they found humanity is lost. Billions of souls lashed into a nightmare of etern eternal torture and toil. Their soul forms twisted into beasts of burdens, weapons, and worse. The portal was snapped shut as soon as our darkest fears were confirmed. Hell is real, and almost every human soul is trapped there. And basically, you're piercing down into hell to murder the minions of hell with your uh, with your hell piercers. Um, this is a very... It says it's inspired by Lancer in D&D 4E. It's a very tactical, combat-focused tabletop role-playing game, um, which I'm really excited for. Um, I love... I'm not a I, I do enjoy skirmish games, but I also like role playing. So I really, really like and we'll get that a little bit today, too, where combat focused games that have more gamified aspects to them. I really fucking enjoy. And this is one that sounds really, really amazing. Um, and, you know, the the basically choose your build, you know, base build, do all of that kind of stuff. And they actually prior to the campaign. Um, they allowed people to sign up for some like pre-campaign swag, and they sent this amazing bundle of stuff. I have a picture of it on our Twitter page, um, but it is a print of the. Um, I'll just whip it out real quick, and let me turn off the blur in my background so people can see this. Um, but it's uh, this. This is this is how to run a fucking Kickstarter: is to send this kind of stuff out pre-campaign, get people hype. But this is, a, I think, the current mock-up of the cover, and they did this as a giant print, and it's absolutely oh, beautiful. Very cool. Right? They sent yeah. um, a ticket to hell, which is badass. Um, they have this this card. It's it's just a little uh, graphic that's on the Kickstarter page too. There's this amazing piece here with just this really dark, fun writing on the back. It's really intense. I love this piece where it goes oh my through God. all of this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then um the, and then 10 million HP Planet, which is a game we haven't talked about on the on the stream before, but that I absolutely love, where you literally battle a planet. Um so they did that as a print. So that was a fantastic surprise to get because I really love that game. So really, really cool pre-campaign swag. Definitely made me excited for it. I was gonna back it anyway. Um, but um, but that was really amazing to have. Um I think I lost the ticket. But yeah. I'll find it. Oh, here it is. Um, Gotta go to heaven now. Right? Ew, gross. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so that's Hell Piercers. Um, let me get that blur back on. Um, like I said, the project looks amazing. The art looks amazing. Um, it's got multiple different levels or, or um, gameplay between Tacom, Stratcom, and Hanging Out. So there's different times where you like the GM can choose to, to kind of like build up their demonic forces. The players can choose to rebuild themselves and then go back to fighting um, the minions of hell. Um, the art looks fantastic. As I said, 
Um, the lore, I can only imagine, is going to be great. I would say my only, uh, the only thing I wish a little bit more for this project is that there was more stuff with it. You know, like I know I'm a stuff guy. I we just go from you're a stuff um, guy. I'm a stuff guy. We just went from year in space and everything's fucked. It's got all this limited edition stuff. I know that doesn't work for everybody and everybody's project. You know, but um, uh. I, if I could get more just stuff to battle the forces of hell, that would be fantastic. Um, but it's, it's an amazing looking project with a lot of stretch goals. It's almost funded. Um, it is at uh, 26,000 on day two of 30, and it only needs to get to 29,000 before stretch goals. Um, but uh, the um, PDF is only $25. The physical book is $55. And it's supposed to be a pretty beefy book, which I'm excited for. Um, and that's pretty much it for the tiers. There are some higher level tiers where you can basically like put stuff into the book. Um, but it's pretty much just a print and digital tier anyway. Um, and that is, uh, that's hell piercers really super excited for all three of these projects. All three still, I mean, Weird Dungeon has five days left, but both um, Hell Piercers and Year in Space has a little bit less than a month. They pretty much started, um, right away, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't go back it because we want to get the stretch goals. So that's it that's what we're talking about today um and then that means we are going to hop into our games for the day oh yeah so whoo the caffeine is kicking in mm. so we are going to be talking about as we said slipgate choke point Super stoked for this, Kirby. What were your What were your initial thoughts? Like one line when you first were like, "I'm gonna uh, uh, let's let's read this book." Uh, I, I didn't I didn't really know what to expect to be honest. Um, when I when I looked at the cover, I was like, "Oh fuck, it's an Andrew Walter art." Uh, and then um, but I was like, "What the fuck? I don't even know what what this is supposed to be." Uh, and then and then I realized that I had Stay Frosty, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I should." I remember what that is. Okay, now I kind of understand what this is. It's like a hack, but you still have to you it weird dungeon a weird weird framework kind of thing, right? Um my god, this game is fucking cool though. It is right? it it has already inspired me to do something that I don't want to talk about yet because I don't want to just start saying I'm going to do shit and then not do it. Um but I've got a whole notepad filled with fucking shit right now for for something I'm I'm, I'm already brainstorming because of reading this, but it is I mean, it is everything I think I could imagine an actual Doom clone or not a Doom. Well, I guess it is kind of a Doom clone, right? Um, but like it's a, a, a pen and paper Doom clone like. And, and and it does it really well. I mean, obviously, I haven't played it yet. I only read it two hours ago, but um, I over, I want to get it to the table like asap it's 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 just so cool the the jib rules the uh the the action economy is is just super cool the way the ammo works um it, yeah it's fucking all I, I loved it i loved it yeah game fox like this is one that i wanted to um uh to do for a while um and and uh i've really been getting into more of these combat focused games like hell piercers i mean it's scratching an itch right at the right time for me um it really sounds fantastic and as you said like if you've ever like this is how if you ever want to emulate a video game and i know there's some really fucking stupid twitter discourse just like there always is listen if you don't want a system in your game just go outside 
and LARP, right? Like, yeah. if, if you're FKRing that hard that you're going to discourse about, oh, I can't, like, uh, keep it for more, eat a dick. Um, I love gamified games. I love, you can, you can RP Monopoly if you want. Um, but I love tabletop role-playing games that have very kind of quote-unquote video gamey or gamified mechanics. I think they're so much fucking fun. It's a game, and this is peak, is peak that. It's exactly like you said. I can't imagine a better emulation of a video game done extremely well to give you the vibe that you can get with the freedom that you also get from tabletop games. It's so well, much you fun. Know what? I actually disagree with you. Uh, I don't like video gamified RPGs. Um, I actually think that it's 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 trying to it's like trying to blend media that just don't work right. But this game it, it has done it. Like that's the thing. That's why I'm I'm not only impressed but just like I I fucking love it because it did something that I, I otherwise am not really a big fan. I'm not gonna say that you're stupid for liking video gamified RPGs you know but no no but like it's just not my thing i think that i think in, in a lot of cases a lot of game designers tm focus too hard on trying to exactly mimic and replicate the feel of a video game in a media that is in a medium that is not even remotely the same format or style right. or feel or anything uh the way you interact with that medium so it's very difficult to do that and oftentimes it falls flat for me anyway but this this book, it fucking nailed it. Yeah, well, not only, you know, and not even just, I would say board games more than video games. You know, I haven't played a lot of games that try to emulate video games, but I have played a bunch of games that bring in really amazing board game mechanics and do it well. So, for example, yeah. Kingdoms um, has some really, really amazing mechanics that were inspired by, fuck, what is the name of that? That, that It's like Kingdom Death or something like that. Like, they cost like a million dollars. It's it's like a board game, but it's got, it's kind of like Gloomhaven. Yeah, I think all it's, the minis I are think like a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Board game, but really amazing mechanics that were brought in the table team, tabletop space. Like, I love 4E. I really did. I like the, you know, kind of like combat-centric focus and mechanics-focused games. That's just what I enjoy. So I agree yeah. with you, not so much video games, but I really do like the gamified kind of mechanics. Um, uh, I like having a little bit of structure and a little bit of economy as opposed to a lot of like freeform stuff. Not that I don't. Obviously, we love games that are also very freeform, but I personally, like if I'm running a game, I really enjoy games that have... Um, tactical stuff into it mm -hmm. and more of like a combat focus and i think this one it just as you said like it hits it hits the nail right on the fucking head well so. i think a big a big part of that is also the way that the rules can get out of the way even when there there's a lot of structure even mm -hmm. when there's a lot of guidance with the system that you're playing a good system will will not get in the way of you playing it right um, yeah. And I think that, that that's another way that this game works so well is that it just literally it, it just works. It it just lets you play. It just lets you play. Like, I just yeah. think that's fucking cool. But it's still there's a lot of rules for it, but it doesn't feel like if you don't do the thing, uh, something's not going to work. Like I'm, I'm in a Torchbearer campaign right now, and it's a really cool game, but there are a fuck ton of rules in that game. And if you mm -hmm. don't do one of the things, a lot of other things get fucked up or don't work right or whatever. And I, I, I feel like this is just totally different than that. Yeah. You know, I think what you just said is exactly 
is a, is a perfect like inspiration or aspiration for a lot of game designers or i think that sh if they if it isn't should be it should be that if you should design a game where the rules get out of the way you know i think a fantastic game that we've recently played that i felt about the rules was guild uh which is from some person named kirby on disaster tourism yeah, yeah. yeah but uh i th i think those kind of games are exactly what i enjoy is a game that gives you structure um but um does get out of its own way so that's one reason like i really do love troika as a system but for me it feels a little bit less structure than other systems and that's always been like my personal like why i've leaned a little bit away from mm -hmm. it um is because i do like slightly more structure um and um but again it gets out of its own way. I, that's one of the reasons I love rules light game in generals is because it gives you guidance and structure. But as you said, it won't break the game if you don't do something. If you, there's a bunch of rules in 5e, if you don't do it the way that it's written, the game falls apart. It just completely doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, well, it just as becomes you said. it's it just at that, that point it just becomes its own thing. You know, that's yeah. that's it's it's yeah. So. Um, Anyway, yeah, so we're waxing on about about the, the, the recent Twitter discourse, which is exactly what I was hoping for tonight. But oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this again, if you ever want to play a, a well done game that emulated a video game, this is how to do it. And yeah. now we're actually going to show you how to do it. But first, um, before we get into Stay Frosty, um, let me make sure I go to the right page here before we get in stay for uh, uh into um slipgate choke point i feel like we have to start with stay frosty because as has been said it is a so there's black hack and then there's stay frosty and then there's slipgate so slipgate is a hack of a hack of a hack right but um stay frosty is a relatively small straightforward system game um but there's a bunch of stuff in slipgate that basically says uh you have to have this to play so reference this to play this so we're going to do a real quick flip through of the basics of Stay Frosty, just so when we're in Slipgate, we don't really have to bounce back and forth. So um, Stay Frosty, uh, similar like content in the art, slightly different. Um, this has got the Space Marines with a bad guy, and then you got Andrew Walter's version of Space Marines with a bad guy. Yeah. Which if you've if you've ever seen anything from Troika or a bunch of other things, like I think it's uh, Zed and Two Knots from Josh Demansky, oh, yeah. um, and Andrew Walter's art fucking slaps. It's really, really fantastic. Um, and uh, it really helps with... Um, da, 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 with... Um, oh my gosh, Slipgate. But the original Stay Frosty is by Casey... I'm going to say Garsk. I'm not sure if it's Garsky. Uh, G-A-R-S-K-E at um, Garsk Games. G-A-R-S-K-E Games. Came out in 2017. Um, and... Um, Man, I wish there wasn't this DMR crap. Let's go to, let's view this in fit with. Oh, doesn't like it. So, um, game over, man. The bugs are through the perimeter. The gates of hell have opened. The mothership is landing and the captain's brain got sucked out. There's only one thing you can do, Marine, and that is to stay frosty. Um, so, listen up. You know how to play this game. You've played it like a hundred times. I'm not explaining a D8 or what a hit point is. 1D20 equal to or above PC's attribute scores of success. If you have advantage, roll twice. If you have disadvantage, roll twice to take the lower. I love that where it basically says you know how to play the fucking game. 
Like yeah. one of the most it's the unnecessary. What is an RPG? <laughs> Personally, love, one of the most unfucking necessary, unnecessary fucking things in games is what is oh, a tabletop role playing game? I feel like if you want to do a little blurb on the back or whatever, that's totally fine. But don't waste a page base. Like there is nobody that is picking up your game as their very first game ever. And if they are, they have a friend who's also played before. You don't need to waste three uh-huh. pages explaining what a fucking dice is like. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's just like. No, I used to be very a very strong proponent of uh, of what is an RPG, and I am very much the opposite now. Um, I have fallen away from that line of thought, and I'm never I've never been happier. <laughs> it just I it's feel just like... a waste. It's a waste of space. It's 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 a it's a place. I think it's just a place for a game designer TM to wax eloquent about themselves and the way that they interpret play and i think it's kind of boring because nobody's gonna fucking play your game the way that you write your game that's just not how it works well and everybody every listen everybody in the world has rolled a fucking dice or flipped a fucking card we understand the concept of mechanics like everyone's played yahtzee right we get it and not only that (laughs) have you really never played yahtzee i've never played yahtzee (laughs) <laughs> everyone has played everyone has thrown a dice for some reason but um but it's also like you're you're gonna explain you're never gonna write what d20 rollover is in a what is this game section and not also talk about d20 rollover and the rules that you're just you you already wrote too yeah, 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 so there's no exactly. reason to explain it um so i love that anyway so absolute um bad asses so this is one of the things in the um in Slipgate, is it says roll attributes like in Stay Frosty. I don't know why they just didn't write roll 3d6 and whatever, but yeah. this is those rules. So you roll 3d6 four times in order, and there are four attributes. I love four or less attributes. To me, six is too much. Yeah. If you if you aren't going to have four or less, you need to have 12. Yeah. To be honest. That's my opinion. <laughs> I think if you're not going to have four or less, then you need to write a trad a crunchy motherfucking trad game with a thousand attributes and 20,000 talents and a million classes. Like that's just how it has to be. I agree. I list. think three and three and four to me is perfect. I, I, I just think you, when you start to split your um, like brain stuff and like all that kind of stuff into like three different things and everything, it's just yeah. like, it's unnecessary. Like your brain works, your brain works. Yeah. Um, so Brains, brawn, decks, and will, which are pretty pretty straightforward mechanics. I mean, it's 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 a it's a way to do a lot of them. Um, lower is better. Um, re-roll one of your choice, but keep the new roll. So no swapping. Um, I like that. That's fun. Um, it's also a system where you're probably gonna die a bunch. So just like roll what you're gonna roll and roll with it. You know. Yeah. Um, put a plus sign after the scores so they read like brains thirteen plus. Because a roll of thirteen or higher is a success. Get it? I, the, the way that the 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 writer, um, I think it's Corey. Um, the way that uh, Casey writes, I I love this, and I think it's a perfect perfect way to write the game. It's just like you get it. Come on, like I love when yeah. the writers have like a bit of a personality, and it's not so. Um, and they carried you know, that uh, over into uh, into Slipgate Chokehold too, which I I really like the way that they kind of. In, like uh mimicked the author's voice which was cool i love it but he's writing um, it he's writing it like he's the gm explaining it to the table which i actually think is kind of amazing i, I love that 
Yeah, it's clever. Like it's 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 a. It, I think it's a way when you don't feel like you're when you feel like something's being explained to you. I think it can help people understand a lot easier than if they're just reading like sanitized text. A mechanism, uh, yeah. No. Um, when the GM says, what's your brains, you'll say 13 plus. So choose an MOS. Um, so required attribute score or lower in parentheses. So um, uh, armor, uh, advantage to operate or repair an armored vehicle issued. Uh, you get cyber, which requires a brains of 11, advantage to hack computers. Um, engineer, which requires a brains of 11, gives you advantage on damage rolls for explosives. Um, infantry, reroll ones on damage rolls for personal weapons. I, we're just breezing through this. So intelligence, um, brains 10, gives you advantage when gathering information. Medical, brains 9, advantage on healing rolls. Psyops, will 8, um, can use psi powers, which is fun. Um, spec ops, all attributes, 10, advantage on a damage roll once per fight and ignore the tension explodes a result per day. Um, you start with uh, D6 rank, and this is in Stay Frosty. It's different in uh, Slipgate Choke Point. So um, uh, roll a D6, one through three, you're a private. So you get one HP per level. Um, and issued a combat knife, four through five, you're a sergeant, advantage on battles of will, issued a swagger stick, and at six, your lieutenant uh, gives advantage to a private or sergeant once per encounter, and you're issued an auto, pin, uh, auto pistol. Your hit points in this are 1d6 plus four. Uh, there is no max HP first level, so you could just have terrible um, HP. That would suck. Um, and then your standard equipment are back and breast armor, helmet, infantry rifle, one ammo die per weapon, and one ration unless otherwise noted. Roll twice on miscellaneous equipment table. Um, and then there's armor listed here. So whole table of weapon types, their damage, range, ammo, special, all that kind of stuff. Again, we're not going to go over it too much in State Frosty because it's a little different in Slipgate. And that's what we're going over more today. Um, talks about ranges, hand to hand, uh, to close, to short, to medium, to long, to extreme. A lot of ranges. Yeah. A lot of ranges. I don't, reading through the adventures that I have read, I don't, at no point does it feel like extreme is necessary because everything is pretty much like quasi dungeon or like space base based. You're never in like a giant open space. So mm -hmm. I don't know how necessary anything past like long ranges to have this many, but it's what it is. Um, they can fire, weapons can fire out of their listed range at disadvantage. Um, there are ammo die. After a fight, roll the ammo die of any weapon used. If there's old as a one or two, reduce the ammo die by one type. Love those kind of mechanics. Yeah. Usage die are fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I think Cyborg has a mechanic that I like that are, it's not full um, usage die, but it's basically like, don't worry about bullets. But after every combat where you shot a gun, roll a D6, and if it's a one, you're out of bullets. Or you have one bullet left. Mm -hmm. I love games like that, but usage die is a really, really interesting mechanic. I think games like Fallen use it really extremely well from um from PR. Um but I uh, really like the way that Chance Phillips used it in Dancing with Bullets Under a Neon Sun, where uh your usage die, the mechanic is used for your HP, which I mm -hmm. think is an excellent way to uh to have the the possibility of instant death always be lurking um in a in a world or a uh a, a genre where that you could be headshot by somebody with a pistol on the street like that's just a possibility 
so I, I really like the way that that was used. And that's something I've always thought was a really clever way to use um, usage die as hit dice, essentially. Yeah, as insane as I said. Yeah, that's I. So uh, dancing with uh, dancing with bullets on our neon sky is definitely a game we want to talk about. At some point, we actually have to talk about the Black Hack too. I feel like we just need to do like a month where we go where we read Black Hack, White Hack, Osric, like a lot of the the you know we we've done a couple of games that a lot of games are based on. Um, we did Inviad. We need to do Karen. We need to do Nave. Those kind of things because there's so many that are like like this is a Black Hack hack. Um, so we need to do that. And I know that, um, um, uh, Neon Sky is a black hack hack with amazing art from Dirk Lighty. Um, yeah, so it's, it's impressive. Oh, the artwork, super blood, incredible. super blood harvest is another one that I really want to go over. That's got, uh, Dirk's artwork in it. It's really fantastic. <clears throat> okay. Um, cruising still. So there are uh specials so agile can be used in a hand-to-hand combat um ap is armor piercing there's blast there's heavy weapons large weapons stun suppress terror um you know miscellaneous equipment table um there's equipment there's things uh med packs grenade launchers all those kind of things what's interesting about stay frosty is it's more than enough rules to play the game and slipgate is like five times long like bigger but i feel like at its core clearly it's a hack of it but it it really stayed the same at its core. Like the original yeah. stay frosty game is, I know we're just kind of cruising through it right now. It's so well done as just hitting to the bare necessities of what you needed. It kind of feels like a framework that was tacked on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. So uh, supply die work the same way. If after an item of equipment has been used, roll the supply die. If the result is a one or a two, reduce supply die. So again, it's usage die. Um, Gosh, um, lots of tables. Uh, speed in a chase, the faster vehicle has advantage on rolls to escape or give chase. Difficult terrain lowers speed. There's a section on repairing vehicles. There's a whole section of vehicles. So combat and clusterfucks. This is a really interesting part and something that Slipgate does change a little bit. So um, an initiative, you roll decks. PCs who succeed go before their opponents. All who fail go after straightforward and on a pc's turn uh a pc may move someplace close and take one of the actions below or forego an action and move somewhere a short distance away so it's pretty much move an action or um don't have an action and move twice which is very different than slipgate which allows for multiple attacks and actions per round um yeah yeah i can't wait to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So we're, we're so cruising cool. this, yeah, just so so you can see the the differences. But so attack, declare a target, and roll decks for range or bronze for hand to hand. Um, battle of wills, you can declare a target and roll will. If successful, the target has disadvantage on the next attack, which is interesting. Um, on focus, you roll brains, and if successful, you gain advantage on your next attack. Um, there's a whole section on psi powers, which is something you can do. You can do a skill roll, um, which is any skill that can be completed in a few seconds, or you can use a piece of equipment. Those are all the different actions you can take. And then on a GM's turn, uh, the hostiles get to attack, um, and they do pretty much the same thing. Um, there are some different things with powerful opponents. It says bolded because it's fucking important. So this is something to read. The PCs and hostiles subtract one from their attack rolls for every hit dice the hostile has over the PC's level. Remember, low is better for a hostile. For vehicle combat, use a PC's level. So that is an important thing to remember, obviously, because he says it's fucking important. Again, love the way it's written as, you know, not 
so sterile, I guess, is a way that that I would probably use to say that. Um, critical hits and misses on a roll of a 20 or a one roll on the appropriate foobar table. Love foobar. Love the foobar table. Um, I don't even remember where I heard foobar the first time. Was it like Tango and Cash? Uh, I don't know. I could have sworn foobar was um, from... Hold on. I gotta look this up. For those that don't know what foobar means, it is fucked up beyond all recognition. But I can't remember the first place I heard foobar. Um, so, uh, there is cover, light and heavy cover, disadvantage on uh, damage rolls is light, disadvantage on attack rolls is heavy. I really enjoy that mechanic. I really like where it's basically, it's not that you don't need to have like three quarters and half and this and that there's two versions of cover and there's two different things and that's it. Um, Armor. Subtract a PC or NPC's armor from damage done to them by a successful attack. If the result is zero or less, no damage is taken. Uh, and then we get to the important stuff. Damage and death. When a PC is reduced to zero points, any extra damage is added to a random attribute. So a PC with zero hit points is out for the duration of the fight, even if they are healed during the combat. If any attribute reaches 21, the PC dies. So let me read that again, because this is a really interesting mechanic for so for those listening. When a PC is reduced to zero, any extra damage is added to a random attribute. So you're trying to roll over your stat, right? So you might have like 14. So if you hit zero and the damage actually takes you like to minus three, let's say it adds to your brawn of 14 your brawn is now 17 which makes right. it harder to roll over every single right. time it is a really interesting mechanic that makes roll over really nice i also love that this system uses roll over but doesn't convert it to some like modifier it leaves it the flat number yeah um it's one of the things that hunter and i both really love about d20 roll under you just roll your number and run with it i love yeah. this concept that it you, you basically don't die you just get worse at everything you do until you get so bad at something that you die yeah yeah i love that really really clever as opposed to to you know death checks and things like that so Healing and rest. PCs heal all of their hit points after eight hours of rest, which is very different in Slipgate, and I love the way Slipgate does it. Um, each damage attribute heals one point per day of rest. Also, after eight hours, rest tension. So, attribute damage is really bad, and if you take you know five over, it's five days worth of healing to try to reduce the attribute back to where you were. So, pretty brutal. Um, Skill saves and rolls, um, two different kinds of rolls. So skill rolls are active. The PCs choose to make them. Um, the GM declares which attribute to roll. Um, and if it is difficult, disadvantage or easy advantage, um, pretty straightforward. When a player rolls one, there's a foobar. I, another thing I love about having the flat rolls with all that stuff is you get rid of DC. I hate DC more than fucking anything. Like, I just don't like the subjectiveness of being like, well, I feel like this isn't, this is a 12 and the PC rolls an 11. And you're like, well, I was kind of going to make it a 10, but I guess not. Like, what are your thoughts on, on difficulty numbers I, that aren't pulled from other mechanics? Um, I'm kind of in between. I think that it, it honestly, it depends. I don't think that uh, for like combat stuff, I don't like the way that armor classes often work. 
um, which is essentially just a DC. Um, but uh, for skill rolls, I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of in both camps. I don't like that it can be so uh, fickle, um, and oftentimes, as a GM, when I've run games, I will I'll sometimes just let shit slide because I'm like. If something's really important and I have just arbitrarily determined that a difficulty rating is for some reason a 13 and they rolled a 12 and their character might die because I just didn't say 12 like a for some reason, you know, I just feel like it's it's kind of weird. But also, sometimes that's fun. You know, you'd be like, you have to hit a 13 and the person rolls a 12 and you're like, sorry, you missed the jump and you fall into the chasm of death and you are gone forever. Like, you yeah. know, so but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of in between on that. Yeah, you know, I think it really depends on the other rules around it. Um, but yeah. I just like I just like reducing fiddliness, you know, where things yeah, sure. can be, you know, kind of, you know, one or another. Um, yeah, and I think if there's, some, if there's an array or a uh, or a a way to calculate it, not calculate it, but a way to like uh, determine it or arbitrate it in a way that is uh, quick and fast, um, then I think it's fine. But and consistent. Yeah. That's the other thing is consistency. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I think one of the things you said was something that bugged me a lot is a lot of people feel like you have to put a DC on everything and then they yeah. gatekeep their own game and shit where it's like, well, that's the other thing. Clue. Yeah. Yeah. There's a clue in this room that the player is like, they, they need to find and then you give it a DC 15 and it's like, but when they and don't the, roll and that, then they make them roll just dice for like 25 minutes. As the yeah. players role play around rolling dice and pushing rocks in the dungeon wall. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's just like, listen, if, is, you know? if I'm going to toss a room, I'm going to toss a room. I don't need to roll a yeah. perception check to toss yeah. a room. I'm going to shred like a dumbass can toss a room and still find yeah. all the things that are in the room. You know, you don't need to make me roll. You know, I don't need to be a goddamn fucking Einstein to to see the the, the chest under the bed, you know? Um yeah. Anyway, so that's what this is. That is um, basically, I don't even remember what I said. Um, it, skill rolls are active rolls, and saves are are um, kind of inactive rolls. It's things that are done um, to the PCs that they don't have control of. Which, and I really like that that dichotomy, um, or at least explanation. Um, skill rolls are active, and saves are not. Um, so PCs do not choose to make them. The GM declares, um, and pretty much like you get advantage or disadvantage based on, you know, whether you're doing better or not. I, I like how unfiddly this is a little bit. I'm going to give some explanations of saves like detecting ambush, resisting being pushed off a cliff, dodging aliens, asset spray, or overcoming uh, mind control. Um, two more things real quick, and then we're done with Stay Frosty, and that's it. So leveling up. Um, when a mission has been completed, squad levels up, roll 1d10, and add it to the PC's hit point total, which, who? Um, could be good or bad. Then you roll 1d20 for each attribute. If the result is less than the score, subtract one from that attribute. Privates can roll twice and take the better result for either brawn or dex. Sergeants can roll twice for brawn or will. Officers can roll for brains or dex. Psyops roll twice for will. Um, only levels three and five. At levels three and five, you gain an additional action per round that can be used for an attack, battle of wills, or focus. Love that. So, like, you just get beefier and beefier which is the fucking yeah. point of the game um and psyops learn a new psy power i really love the way this is written in the this is the most like d20 roll under d20 roll over system i've ever seen you know what yeah, i mean i think so yeah 
like it doesn't convert scores to modifiers the it kind of gives you a little bit of that like um is it is it into the odd? I always get into the odd nave care and everything kind of mixed up a little bit. But some like when you take direct injury, it injures to your stats. I think I believe that that's uh, into the odd and Cairn. Yeah, yeah. Those, so those this two. it kind of has a little bit of attributes of that, where like again, you don't die, but your stats get harder and harder and harder until you're yeah. so bad at something that you die. And I yeah. love this like roll your stats, and if it's less, then reduce it by one because it keeps making it easier and easier. So well, if this is how I've never read the Black Hack. If this is how the Black Hack works, I freaking love the Black Hack. But you know, I uh, you know I haven't I played it a while back and I've read it several times and I honestly don't remember how advancement works in the Black Hack. But Black Hack is roll under, I believe. So um, I it may actually be inverse to this. Uh, I'll have to. I mean, I have it right there, but I'm not going to pull it out. Um, yeah. Oh, so do I. Yeah. It's 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 that one right yeah, right there. Um, but um. But yeah, so I, I I really really enjoy it a lot. Uh, I I think it's a great um, system, and if you're gonna do d twenty rollover, oh rollover, which is one of my least favorite, um, mm -hmm. then um, I think this is the way I would do it. Um, last thing really is the psi powers, which is always fun. Um, if you think you're a psychic, maybe you are. Using psi powers to use a power, make a will roll. Um, some powers have the options to make a penalty on the roll to empower the effect. Um, if the roll succeeds, the effect happens. If it fails, the powers cannot be used until the PC has had an eight hours rest. Um, and you can get brain bleed. If a PC psychic fails a roll but really wants the power to work, they can take damage equal to the amount by which the roll failed and have mm. the power succeed. The psychic clutches their head and bleeds from their eyes and nose. I love that. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, like you want to do it anyway? Sure, just take all of the damage from how much you failed that is such i'm writing that down um it's just my pins in the <laughs> i feel like room. i'm gonna be seeing something like that soon in a play test I, right? <laughs> I love it i love it remind me of that because i left my pin in the other room and i'm not getting up to get it um and then there's some uh some side powers uh we'll just pick pick one or two a uh, mind stab range short duration instant an intelligent living target the psychic can see takes 2d8 mental damage armor has no effect and you can empower uh, to take minus two on the roll to do 3d8 damage. I really love this empowering idea where you take make the roll a little bit harder to make mm -hmm. the ability a little bit stronger. I think that's, I mean, I, th I think that's the most clever, at least fiddly way to do something like that. Um, yeah. Really, really smart. I like it better um, than, uh, it, it, it is almost like advantage a little bit. And I, I like that it's just, faster yeah you know yeah there's so mathematically and this is rough because i suck at math advantage um is roughly five is roughly plus five is where the number fall out that's not perfect don't get on me um but if you give someone advantage you're basically giving them plus five to a d20 roll right which is what like 25 percent chance uh, of success five, uh it's five percent for each roll on a d20 so five fives is 25 right right i know yeah, my yeah. math is fucking terrible so you're basically giving them a 25 percent chance i i actually in i think advantage and disadvantage is really quick and not fiddly 
but it's also pretty fucking beefy. If you think about plus five, yeah. potentially mathematically, that's a lot. I love that most of these are minus one, minus two. And it looks like the only one that's really more than that is telepathy has a minus four, which is still not quite at the average of advantage or disadvantage. So I really right. like that these are um, you're more likely to succeed on this than if you were given disadvantage on the roll, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's pretty much it. There's a page here. Other crap every game has. I love that title. Um, it says, Jesus Christ, I guess we have to spell everything out. We'll see how long I can stand this. So there's Falls, which is a minor fall. Doesn't damage a PC. Um, they must make a deck save or fall, or fall prone. A fall far enough does 1d10 damage per character level. That's it. If a PC falls farther, they're dead. Um, hunger, going a day without rations, forces the PC to make a brawn save. Value means they take 1d4, blah, blah. And then drowning, good lord. Just have them roll a save or something. Like, rulings, not rules. Exclamation point. That's it. I can't do this anymore. I, again, I love the way this is written. I love that they put this in the thing where it's literally like, God fucking damn it. Like, why are you asking these dumb questions? Just do what you want to do. Here's some basic shit. Go. I, I love yeah. that. Um, Corey did a really fantastic job with this. And then it goes into, um, there's some missions. There's a character sheet. And that's that's the bulk. And you know us here on the weekly scroll. We do not read adventures by the fucking book. That is stay frosty. So that is before we ever even get into the real book. We've read the book that you need to read to get to the real book. So we're going to hop over to Slipgate Choke Point. So we'll cruise this a little bit. This is about 80 pages, but I think there's only about 35 or 40 pages. It's, I think it's like 30 pages of actual rulings. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is cool. And then it's missions and a bunch of stuff, which, again, we don't go over adventures. So straight off the bat, again, look at that fucking artwork, dude. So good. It is just so good. I mean. Well, and they, they do great work. And the, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Composition of this is really fantastic, too. Like the portal slightly off center, people coming through the portal, monster behind this one. She's not even looking. And then this guy here in the front doesn't have a gun. He's got this like badass axe with a skull on it. His one eye is missing and he's like ripping the head off of some demon thing. Yeah. Like such a such a perfect piece for exact. You, as soon as you pick up this book, you go, OK, I know what the fuck this is. Like, yeah. which is exactly what you want from from Doom cover story, art. Baby. Yeah, fucking doom. So this is from Andrew Walter and Paul Cronin. Um, and uh, and yeah. So a note on transatlantic backside slang, something that I just thought was funny in the beginning. Basically, um, clearly this person is not from America because they spell armor the fun way. Um, but there basically yeah. there are times where uh, you're gonna get some back and forth with some of the term like the, the the terms. It's because they're not American and they'll use it the way they fucking want. So there you go. Um, right off the bat, again, arts all the way through. But a couple of things Ooh. that are very important. Hyperlinks. Wait, what is that? Hyperlinks. You better fucking believe there's goddamn hyperlinks. Oh my god. Look at that. One of the most important things you can have in uh, in a game, at least in my opinion is hyperlinks why did that jump to a, a, a non your game could suck you. but if it has hyperlinks listen you get it you get a couple of points for that but here but but let me let me let me let me say the one of the things that i think is i think every pdf should fucking have it's one of the reasons i think troika is the best pdf ever made for a tabletop role-playing game unquestionably and there's not a lot of games that are close to it 
this has one of those things that I love more than just about anything, right? So it's got hyperlinks. So let's randomly click hyperlink. We're going to go to power-ups on page 24, right? And then I scroll down to the bottom of the page. And if this fucking unzooms from where I want it to be one more time, I'm going to freak out. But right at the bottom of this page is this word. It says content, right? On every page, there's a word at the very, very bottom of the page that says content. You know what happens when I click the word contents? That shit takes me back to the table of contents page. Amazing. Please, designers, more of you, with your RPGs, make that kind of thing into your pages. If you want, it's 2023, pandemic is still actually happening despite how many people want to ignore it. A lot of people are still playing in VTTs. Make your PDFs more accessible, please. Navigation tools are super important. Let's check, do they have bookmarks as well? Yep, they got bookmarks. So bookmarks and a PD and a, and a hyperlink tail of contents are the bare minimums in my opinion. Another couple of things that this has is inline hyperlinks. So if it says, you'll find this on page 12, you can click the words page 12 and it'll take you to page 12. But this click on the bottom of every page that takes you back to the table of contents is so smart. Troika does it twofold because it takes you one, takes you back to the table of contents. And then on the opposite page, it takes you back to the beginning of the chapter you're in. Mm -hmm. So cool. love that. Fantastic. Um, anyway, so table of contents, uh, like we said, 80, 80 plus pages, ranger generation traits, starting loadout, armor, ammo, healing, weaponry, power-ups, new action rules, new combat rules, XP, hostiles, monster generation, missions and campaigns, and the flayed domain, which is an adventure in the book. And then another beautiful piece of art here. I love that. It reminds me of uh, the fuck. Um, there's a, there's a really great uh, folk, folk musician, um, and I, I can't even talk about it because I don't remember the fucking name of it. And they, they made a movie and they're fucking aliens that wear buckets on their heads and they look just like that. And it's fucking great. And it just I made me happy watch when it. I saw it. I don't know what yeah, you're talking uh, about. And now I want to see it. Um, what I really love about this piece is the um, couple of things. It's The gun is attached to some type of power-up system, which is really cool. But this is clearly a, like, arcane symbol etched onto, or, like, a cult symbol etched onto the weapon, which Doom is just so good for all of that, like, the, the like, it's, it's tech, which is usually not my thing, but then you bring, like, occultism and blood and guts and hell into it, and I'm like, nope, you totally got me. And it's just never going to not be awesome. Um, and again, like the art that they chose through this really continues to reinforce, like, you know, this is emulating that game. Um, mm -hmm. There's a whole page here that I love that I'm not going to read. You should read it. But basically, it's like a narrative, like in a little little short story piece of of the really game. Filler. Dude, yeah. it's so smart to do this in a game, too, because you don't have to explain just with the cover art in this page. You don't have to say this was my intent when writing the fiction for this game you can just read the narrative i love like there's a couple of games out there that literally have like we're gonna put out like a book with this or we're gonna put out a short story yeah. with this or like a narrative piece that's such a great way to get people into your lore and into the intent yeah. behind your system super well done yeah um, it's, and then it's, the, it's what it's what what is an rpg should be i think it's literally like this is my story that i told 
when I play tested this and I turned it into a piece of short fiction, threw it in the beginning of the game so you can get into it. Now, do, now go use the rest of these rules and make your own. That's basically that's the perfect thing. It's it really is. That is that is that's super. You hit it right. You just mm, perfect. Yeah. Yes, that is that is what all of your what is an RPG? Every page you use, just write some short fiction instead. Yeah. Um, and then God fucking damn it. Like just this next piece of art is yeah. just so brutal. Oh God, God, I wish he was in color, but how amazing it is just this creature with all of these arms and tail. And it's taken out like one, two, three, four Rangers at once, like holding one up in the sky. And in the background, there's, you know, more dead Rangers, more beasts and creatures. It's just this overwhelmingly like beautifully fucked up piece of art that just mm, just mm. it's. Andrew, it's so good. I wish I had the money to just hire Andrew to do every art piece. <laughs> it's Same. So Same. good. Like there's there's three or four artists out there that I'm just like, if if I ever put out a, a game, these are the three or four artists that I would want to do everything. And Andrew Walter is easily one of them. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, quick intro. Slipgate Checkpoint is a supplement for Stay Frosty. It's intended to be a love letter to the bizarre, eldritch atmosphere and rending violence of the mid-90s FPS video games. Make significant changes to the original Stay Frosty, which you will need. I will say, and we talked about this a little bit before, and let me finish the intro, and then I'll, and then I'll, then I'll bash on it. So the DNA of 90s FPS computer games is intertwined with tabletop RPGs. The original Doom originated in a D&D game played by the id Software employees, and the legendary Sandy Peterson was a malevolent brain behind most of the dark and claustrophobic levels of Quake's episode, The Elder World. Um, our hope is to meld the excellence and badassery of the original State Frosty rules with an even more terse, fast-paced method of play that prioritizes gun, jibs, and high-risk stunts, as well as providing you with a new panoply good word of twisted horrors and unnatural environments welcome to the doom dimensions and what they intended they fucking did it's fantastic but mm -hmm. what was i gonna say my only knock i think on this and my question really comes down to were they allowed and if they were it bugs me that they didn't is this realistically is smaller and wider spaced and whatever you could put the entire rules of this probably in like five pages and most of this isn't even in this book I think in less than a page, all of the rules you need for this, maybe maybe two or three pages, all the rules you need from this to play this could have been just put in it. And I would say my only real knock on the game is that I love kind of that you have to buy this because support the original creator. Right, but yeah, yeah. I, I think you could have easily, it, it's a pain in the ass to have to reference two books is, is kind of where I'm getting. Like, yeah. I really think no, they could I, have just... I agree with you. I think that if if they were allowed, I feel like they should have just thrown they, they didn't even need to do the one page of rules. They could have just where they say, I don't know if it's on this page yeah. or another where it says, like, use this rule page, whatever of stay frosty um, further in the book. They could have just listed the rule there. Um, yeah. But, exactly. I don't but think again, they needed one full page of stay frosty, yeah. but I think it's like maybe one page worth of stuff that they could have just. Yeah, they could have it. done that. Um, yeah. But honestly, like at the same time, it's like Stay Frosty, I think, is free on Drive Through RPG, uh, the, the PDF anyway. Um, yeah. If I remember right, I, I picked it up a while ago. So, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, like, you know, it's not like a big deal. And also, like, why wouldn't you want to go get another fucking cool game that clearly inspired something you're having fun with? But convenience wise, I, I do agree that it would be it would be helpful. 
I think I think my that's my biggest thing is not that, you know, because obviously I have both books, but it's like uh, what I just said about like navigation tools have being at your table and this yeah. one being so easily navigable. Now you have, sure. to have two PDFs up to 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 do it. So it's I mean, but also the rules are so simple that once you read it once or twice, you don't need the other yeah, one. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not it's not a big knock. It's just like it's an, it's it's I'm curious the why, you know, why are um, you inconveniencing me? Yeah, Basically. I'm gonna spend the money anyway, but just put it in one yeah. book. God damn it! <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, so what's new? I love this. This is mm-hmm. a really clever page, and again, inline hyperlinks, which means that when it says it's on page eight through ten, you can click on that, and it'll take you to page eight through ten. Super smart. Love the navigation tools. Good job, Andrew and Paul. So, what's new? If you so there are no mo's. I feel like. It doesn't say what MOs are, but I feel like it's MOs, not MOS. Am I wrong? Did you read that as like modus operandi? Like how you I read do it a thing? As modus operandi, and I believe that okay. that is also what it's called in Stay Frosty. It's MOS as well. Um, but I don't know what the S is supposed to stand for. It might, it may actually stand for something. It might, maybe it's just pluraled. I don't know. Um, but if you don't see a Stay Frosty rule mentioned, assume it's exactly the same way, which is one way to do it. Um, and this is a list of new stuff, which is cool. So we just breezed through Stay Frosty, got the basics, and I love that it tells you right off the bat, here are the things that are different. So there are no MOs or rank rules. It's military occupational specialty. That's what it stands oh, for. Oh, dope. Yeah. It's actually different. Cool. All right. Well, now we know. And we know yeah. that there aren't any in this game. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... There are no um, MOS or rank rules. All player characters are rangers differentiated by traits um, and levels. That's it. Um, rangers can take multiple actions per round as long as they've got the guts for it and the dice favor them. I like that. It's interesting. It's different. I do like how in the original one, like as you leveled up, you gained more because I love yeah. games where you feel like you're learning and getting better. Um, but this one is a little bit different as, as opposed to like learning and getting better. It's more like, as it says, if you've got the guts, you can always try. So I, I like both. I, I like both. Um, speaking of guts, Rangers can now jib their enemies, which I know you love. Yes. Yeah. Fucking so we'll get to that. Instant jib is just the the premier or like one of the biggest things for the early, late 90s, early 2000s, or maybe even mid 90s and early 90s. But for me, it was the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, like arena RPG, arena shooters and stuff like Quake mm-hmm. and Unreal Tournament. Uh, just it's that satisfaction of just like picking up that one gun that just you know is just gonna one shot everybody, and you yeah. just run around. For me, it was the flat cannon in Unreal Tournament 2003, and I just run around. You sneak up on somebody behind them, and you just like point blank with a flat cannon, and they just burst into like chunks of gore all over. And you're ugh, it just feels so good. So being a, so having good. a rule for how that works in a tabletop game is just fucking amazing. Yeah, and there's no reason not to. Like, I, 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 I yeah. don't like bullet sponge enemies. So being able to just be like, "Fuck it, no!" Like, you pass the threshold, they die. I love that shit. Um, because you don't need to worry about balance as much. If they kill everything, throw more shit at them. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, so uh, rangers can perform. Uh, can I use stunt die to perform ill-advised craziness? Love that. Ammo rules are slightly different with four ammo types. Armor works differently with a push your luck um, system. Um, Healing can only be performed if med kits are found, which I love. I love that you just don't nap for eight hours and then you're fine. I would get rid of it entirely if I could. Um, uh, And then XP is tied to kills per ranger, which which another thing is fantastic. 
Um, so getting into ranger generation um, here on the weekly scroll, we love just a, a, a list right off the bat of everything you're going to do and then explanations of doing it. It's a great way to do it. Um, it Slipgate Joke Point discards all the uh, MOs and rank rules from the original Stay Frosty um, as they seem unsuited to the bloody single-mindedness of the genre. I don't disagree to a point. Um, the Rangers then venture into the Doom Dimension. Uh, they do not differentiate by specialties. Instead, we envisage, envisage them as loosely paramilitary in nature, the final remnants of a world on its last legs. So it's not really that it's... I don't necessarily think that the it's unsuited for the genre. I just think that this, as it says, this goes more paramilitary, while the original Stay Frosty feels more like direct military. I feel like Stay Frosty yeah. in like the fiction of the world is like a couple of months before this, when there's still like military structure, and this one feels like that structure's kind of fallen apart, and basically the dudes that you were with and can have kept together through this are still together, but like the system itself has kind of like fallen apart. Yeah, yeah. Like Stay Frosty, I think it is uh Starship Troopers the RPG. So it's kind of you know, you're a you're a squad of people from a large, um, in, uh, a massive fascist military force that is going to various planets to kill giant bug aliens and shit. Right. Whereas this is like you are literally the last people alive. And the reason you're still alive is because you're really good at killing shit. So yeah. go kill more shit. <laughs> I do. I and do. Stay alive yeah, more. With, without this, without the side powers, you absolutely could just do fucking stay frosty as as Starship Troopers too. That's awesome. I would yeah. totally fucking play yeah. the shit out of that too. Yeah. Um. All right. Do you uh do you do you want to roll up a ranger as we do this no. so we can do this or let's do it. Okay. So um so roll your attributes as per the normal stay frosty rules. This is one of the ones that bugs me because all you have to do is say roll 3d6 four times like, you know. But now anyway. I have to scroll to the top of the goddamn thing and do the thing and the fucking where's the there we go. Okay. So Going back to Stay Frosty, we'll do this for the stream. So you're uh, absolute badass. So you roll 3d6 four times in order. Right. So we got uh, 13 on my first one. Got mm -hmm. uh, 12, second one. Okay. Nine for my third one. Five for my fourth one. Oh, dope. Amazing. And then uh, you can reroll one, but you have to keep it. Do you want to yeah. reroll that five? Yeah, I, I'm going to reroll five. So we'll go three. Okay, nine and ten. Okay. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. So pretty, you got between like 10 and 13, right? That's bad. Okay. So uh, the next thing you're going to do is choose or roll one trait. Another amazing. So I love that at the bottom of every page, they have this almost like same size, like in a box piece. And this is clearly some like demonic bad guy. The dude literally has a chainsaw for an arm. And behind them on the wall is literally what looks like a stitch wall of like human faces and flesh. Like, oh, my yeah. God, I love it. I also love that the character sheet is the very next thing after the page explaining how you're going to do it. Because I think that's a I I love I mean every book should have a character sheet but a lot of them put it as the very last thing, um, yeah. And I like that the character sheet is right after or right at the beginning of character creation so you can see how you're gonna write it up. 
Yeah. So um, going over the traits real quick, there's 20 traits. So why don't you just roll? Why don't you roll one and we'll we'll talk about that one so we can explain how the traits work. So they're a mixture of lucky genetics, warp exposure, exposure, elder influences, eldritch influences, and old-fashioned training. Ragers roll or choose one trait at first level and receive another every level after that. So what did you roll? I got a 19. Oh damn. So you got the thy flesh consumed. Uh, you can spend a turn eating a fallen foe for 1d10 plus HD hit points. This takes time and will get you odd looks. Love it. That one's so fucking good. The other thing, though, that's really interesting about this that I thought was, a, like, to me, like, tweaked my brain, like, like, half of a percentage. I never thought of Doom as Eldritch. I thought of Doom as demonic, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, There's definitely because... a little bit of Eldritch in Doom. It's mo it's more much more demonic magic, maybe, but there's there's definitely some Eldritch in Doom. Yeah, I, maybe yeah. A little so bit. this really it, this is like the second time it says Eldritch. There's one called Eldritch Resilience. There's uh there's one there's one that's the taint of Shub Niggeroth, which is an Eldritch god and stuff. So I feel yeah. like they definitely leaned a little bit more into the Eldritch as opposed to the demonic in this, which is fine. Yeah, I just always saw it more as demon stuff. For sure. Yeah. Um some of the other ones that are cool, air control, you may add plus two to skill rolls or saves that involve jumping or falling. Um and as I said, Eldritch resistance damage you take from any magical attacks is reduced by three points. So these are the kind of things that you get. So you get one right off the bat, and every level you get one. So you started with literally being able to consume flesh of your enemies to heal. Love it. Couldn't be more fucked up right off the bat. Like your level one ranger literally eats the flesh of Eldritch enemies. Um so I've already had um, enough. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, if we go back to the very next thing you do is roll 1d10 plus 5 for your hit points. Yeah, let's do that. We got 1d10 here. Uh, so, oh, great. Nine hit points. Oh, that's not bad at all. All right. You take a d3 for your stunt die. So you get to roll a d3. Um, choose your starting loadout. So we'll go to that. Um, and then you get ready to frag. And that's it. That's that's all you do for the characters. You literally roll your attributes. You roll or pick a trait. You roll your hit points. You choose your... You you have your stunt die and you just choose your starting loadout. Quick, yep. easy, super fun. All right. So let's go to starting loadout. So either bases have scant equipment. Oh, earth bases have scant equipment. The clunky and unwieldy apparatus that rangers carry nonetheless has a brutal effectiveness that humanity depends on a new ranger carries either a nail gun or shotgun each of which comes with d6 ammo die of nails or shells respectively so are you going nail gun or shotgun uh, i'm definitely gonna go shotgun shoddy okay so either a hammer or an axe uh hammer okay and then a standard issue of green armor we'll see page 14 in a second and it's hyperlinked good job which comes with a suit mounted lamp so you just get your green armor and then you get a random piece of miscellaneous equipment from the table. So, um, and then there is a list of other, uh, miscellaneous equipment. Um, there's ammo roll one D four to determine which ammo type this is. So you get, uh, I don't know if you get to do, I think the shotgun. 
I, yeah, I think you just pick a random, I think you roll a D4 for your random energy type or for your random ammo type. Um, yeah, as, as my miscellaneous equipment that, yeah, it would just be, I, I, I have explosive shit. I have explosive ammo in my pack for some reason. Oh, so that's why you rolled your miscellaneous equipment was uh, explosive ammo. No, I'm saying if that, if I, if I rolled ammo on the miscellaneous equipment table, it would be one D4 to, to randomize which ammo is in gotcha. my missile. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. But you start with D6 ammo of nails or shells. Yes. Got it, got yeah, it, got yeah. it. Okay, so um, there's also battering rams, clunky motion scanners, darkness grenades, eldritch carven images. Again, really a lot, really, really laid into the eldritch stuff. I, 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 w- I would control R or whatever it is, eldritch to demonic in this whole thing, because that's just what makes my brain feel better. Um, flares, a human skull, an old friend, respected enemy, good luck charm, or the tool with a thousand uses. Um, jump boots, uh, mild sedatives, recordable hologram unit, and warp coordinates are, are different things. Um, and there's a list here of what you can roll for 1d20, all of those things. Um, supply die if it's necessary, things like that. So armor, spelled the fun way, ammo and healing. I would love to write... OU in all of my games, but I feel like I would feel like a big douche because I'm not British or, or you know, European. You know what's funny? I actually do spell a lot of words the British way, and uh, but I also often accidentally just kind of, or I kind of like fluctuate between them. Um, mm. I had to go back in Guild, one of the first, first, uh, first copies of that manuscript, I had to go back and check all the armor because I had O-U-R in about half of them. Yeah. <laughs> what did you stick with? Uh, I don't even actually I don't fucking remember what it is. I should probably look. I think it's just O-R because that's because I'm in the U.S. All of the O-U-R's were on autocorrect. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Or, or, or spelled wrong. Um, but I do the same thing with uh, a lot of other words. Um, and I don't tra- do like traveling gray? words like traveling and canceling. I always put two L's in those when I always want to put two L's oh, in it, too. Yeah, we, we put one in the U.S., but it's two in the U.K. It just looks it uh, looks right to me when you do it. Maybe way. it's just the books we read as a kid. I don't know. How do you spell yeah. gray? I that's another one. I do a lot with E.Y. I'm an E.Y. I guy. Often, I didn't even know A.Y. was a thing. Change it. I will often go back and change it to AY for like stuff nope. I'm publishing. EY all day. Let's do it. I'll, yeah. I'll keep that one forever. All the rest <laughs> of it's fine. Yeah, so up it is. They are British, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Armor. The standard safe frosty rules for armor still apply, but rangers have different replacement armor types and rules for degradation as follows. So ranger armor comes in color types which i think is really fun green yellow or red with one two and three armor value respectively only green and yellow armor is comprised of tech known on earth uh, on the earth side of the slipgates. so i love that green and yellow is human is earth armor red is eldritch armor demonic armor uh-huh. um, as well as the normal state frosty rules for damage reduction come on come on guys um just write what the normal what damage are, reduction what armor are they is. what are they though? what what, are, what they? are they uh where is armor in here um i feel like i must have passed it already Control f armor next da, 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 da. I would assume it works the same way that uh, your HP works. 
Unless it's not in subtract there. Subtract a so armor. Subtract a PC oh, okay. or NPCs armor from damage done to them by a successful attack. If the result is zero or less, no damage is taken. So it's 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 soak. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, they, they 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 kind of clarify that in the uh, in the jib section of. Um, but why? But like, why not just write? It's one yeah. line. It's not even. It's like six words. Like yeah. just just write it in there, guys. So as well as the normal state frosty rules for damage reduction, armor can also be risked as follows, which I love. Any one damage total from a single attack or source, including rocket jump damage, can be absorbed by armor. This costs 1d3 points of the armor to be permanently lost. Should mm -hmm. this cost exceed the ranger's current armor value, it is lost anyway and the damage is not absorbed. So basically, you can choose to permanently reduce your armor if you would like to. So not quite armor, I mean, but could be armor break, but, you know, armor bend a little bit as well. So it's kind of like Merc well, how you... It's, also, like, it's a pretty big risk to do that too, though. Yeah, which is super fun. I mean, I love, I, I wish there was a lot more choice design in RPGs. I think a lot of people do it without necessarily being like super understanding why they're doing it because it's really cool. But to actively put like risk reward choices, especially mm -hmm. into important things that you carry is super fun. Um, and it also keeps players engaged a lot more, which is really interesting. Um, one thing yeah. that 5e does not do very well is put a lot of like choices in your stuff outside of like the 50 things you get per character. Um, yeah. If multiple armors are found, they never stack. So simply replacing the ranger's previous AV if higher. Unused armor points are lost. So helmets are considered part of armor and no longer count separately. I like both ways. I like that the helmet could could be a little bit different. It's kind of like having, you know, it, it, in the modern system, it's kind of like having a shield. You know, you could you could break the helmet or or something. Yeah, I think in I think for as far as Doom goes, though, it's all one. I think it's all it one, makes more sense. Yeah, one suit. I think so. That's the only reason why I would assume that they they yeah. went with that. Um, there's a section here which I really love. It's a it's a example of play on how armor works, which is and 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 just how the game works in general. Examples of play are so important in systems. You know, I I love the narrative at the beginning, but an example of play that breaks down the most nitty gritty parts of a system is so helpful because there are times where I've like read the rules and read the rules again and be like, okay, I think I get it. And then I read like a two paragraph example of play and go, okay, now I absolutely understand exactly what they're going for. And I absolutely um, didn't get it before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. It is not exactly what we thought it was. Um, uh, da, 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 da. So four types of ammo, um, which is cool. Unlike in Stay Frosty, there are four types of universal ammo. Each ranger should track their current ammo die level for each character separately. Um, the four types and the respective maximum ammo die level each ranger may carry are... Shells are D10, nails are D8, explosives are D4, and cells are D6. So each weapon uses one of the four types, and these are interchangeable between weapons that use the same type. E.g., explosives are used by both rocket launcher and grenade launcher, with the ammo die for explosive being rolled in a fight in which either or both of these weapons are used. Each time a unit of ammo is found, it results in a bump up to the next die in the chain for that ammo type, each unit of ammo can only be used by one character to bump up uh, one ammo die level. The ranger must divide any units of ammo they find accordingly. The ammo types are shown above um, of increasing scarcity. 
the steps an ammo die um, can have are d4, d6, d8, d10, but otherwise function as described. Um, and some weapons are known to have a property ammo chewer with a high rate of fire. So good. If an ammo chewer weapon is used in a fight, the ammo die type automatically degrades by one step afterwards. So don't even roll the die. So yeah, good. I love that, especially because the weapons that have ammo chewer as a mod as a property uh, are just are are ridiculous. And I think that it's such a great way to counteract the the, the risk of keeping your ammo. Basically, it's it's super cool. It's a, just a great. This is great. This is one of like, I love this whole game. This is one of the best pages in the entire game. Like, it's just so clever. And I know it's just usage die. But every time I read usage die, I'm like, I love them. So fucking good. Like, there's so many ways you can take such a simple concept and just and 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 this is one of the coolest ones that I've seen It's just I love it. It's great. Yeah. And it's really interesting because I sat down at one point and despite how bad I am at math, I like figuring out the math. I also wish that I know this is a little part. I wish this D10 was below the word shells um, because it's below it on all the rest of them. Um, I wish that the um, D6 in cells was in between nails and explosives. That was what I was thinking about. Oh, because it literally says it's listed by scarcity, but it's not. Well, well, 10, 8. Six four is how I would yeah. have written instead of ten eight four six. That it's bothering me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So love the page. A little bit of a layout. A little bit of a layout knock there, but it's fantastic. But um, I also love the little icons. I think it feels very you know for the genre. Um, yeah. But uh, at, at one point I sat down and was like, okay, how how what's the av- like if you're going from D twelve to nothing. You know, what's the average rolls? And I figured out you know the average of getting a one and like all the rest of the stuff. And it ends up being like between 25 and 30 basically mm-hmm. um ammo you get per per thing or whatever um unless again it's probably completely wrong um and if i'm wrong give me the right math out there but it's just it felt right for the amount that a d12 gave which is fun um another example of play here um for ammo specifically great not gonna read it it's great though and then healing and med kits, another one of my, uh, I really, really love this one. So in the Doom Dimensions, wounds in human human in human in human flesh do not heal with rest or medical attention. Love it. Yes. Why? So, so good. healing and slipgate choke point is achieved by the use of med kits. These odd metal devices are crate shaped studded with glowing lights and seeping vents and are found scattered in caches and storerooms about the doomed dimensions. Proper use causes an ectoplasmic or eldritch nanite cloud that will seal wounds and knit broken bones instantly. Certain reports indicate medkits from the deeper dimensions have unsavory provenance with rumors of human soul rendering or flesh tech involved in the creation. The word flesh tech. I love it. It's so it's perfect. And I love this so much better. First of all, in a combat system where healing is not. I don't like the idea of like, OK, let's stop our exploration into the mm-hmm. demon hell dimension for eight hours so I can take a quick nap. It's yeah, like, yeah. no, fuck that. Like, you're going to die. You're not going to wake up. So, yeah, I also I love that it's instant because it's that's video gamey. And the the scale of 5, 10, 15, and 20, which is great. Um, I'm just I'm just as I look at that number, I was just thinking about playing on real tournament 
and being like so low on health and then seeing a little trail of uh of of health files they were like the the smallest health health you could get in the game and being so excited because i know that that's at least 30 hp and i just like sprint towards it and like i could i can see that being like that's gamified right there for me like that yeah. works for me but it also makes sense in the fiction of the world which i really really enjoy yeah you know yeah i like the way that um, they, they 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 made it lore i like that yeah very cool and not only that like it you also turn like I feel like this is this is not a game where treasure is going to be a a an uh, inspiration for you. You're like, why why am I doing this? Because you're trying to survive. Like, who yeah. gives a fuck about gold? You can have as much gold as you want. You're gonna die. But I'm like here turning medkits, yeah. But turning th- turning healing into treasure feels cool. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a it's a smart way to do the design. Um, yeah. So what uh, what Kirby said is medkits are found in 5, 10, 15, or 20 hit point values. Each medkit can be used by a ranger to restore the respective amount. Any hit points over the ranger's max are lost. The hit points in each medkit cannot be split. So you get what you get, and if you go over. So like if you find multiple kits, like you kind of have to balance who's going to get the best and who's going to waste the least, which I really, really enjoy. Um, although medkits can be carried, they are bulky and fragile with a single hit rendering the delicate tech sorcery inside or essence side useless. So basically you can carry it, but if you get, if you get one hit, it's gone and you just wasted it all. Yeah. Um, and medkits can only be used to store hit points. Direct damage to stats can only be restored while recuperating on the other side of slipgates. So you literally have, like you have to leave the, the, the dark dimension or whatever to actually heal, which again, is exactly how it should be like mm-hmm. you shouldn't be able to just take a nap um another full page piece of art here i just love it i love when you can yeah. you know take a, a page to do it it's just like a pile of a person but you know he's got stuff. skull here yeah stuff the, the upcoming artwork <sighs> the oh whole the artwork through the whole thing is just crazy yeah. so this is a whole section on weaponry so i don't have to go over all of them um, well, we'll probably name them, but we'll pick. Uh, so you picked um, your weapons are hammer, right? Hammer and shotgun, yeah. So we'll go over those and then talk about the rest. But this is so for axe and hammer. Even though axe is pictured here, it's one d eight and it's hand to hand. That's a range. So the choice of bludgeoning or slicing is purely a matter of any given ranger's personal fighting style. The axe and hammer are the standard melee weapons due to both the utility outside of combat and the ability to inflict grievous wounds. So yeah, because they're they're. You know, axes and hammers aren't just murder weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, a cestus is like a gauntlet with like spikes on it, and it's fucking beautiful. Um, the shotgun. Okay, so 3d6 close, 2d6 short, 1d6 medium. I like that it's not like a, a disadvantage to the roll. It's just reduction in, um, it's like fall off, you know? Yeah. It's like bullet fall off, which is great. Yeah. Um, use the shells pump action shotgun with no frills but immediately immediate bloody results after the first few disastrous excursions into the doomed dimensions it was agreed that rangers needed to make sure that the gibbering horrors found beyond the realms of sanity would rest in pieces the first cocky bastard with a mere pistol for example failed to notice that a rottweiler that's funny was merely playing dead but it's rot dashweiler <laughs> because you know it's a uh, i love it um, so yeah. there's also super shotguns, which are double barreled. 
There's nail guns, which is something you could have chosen at the beginning. It's a light, rapid, and powerful double barrel launcher of large darts. Really fantastic. The super nail gun and the art on the super nail gun. My God. I love that so much. It's like, it's, so it's got like a demonic face with the mouth open and it's got like five, six barrels sticking out the mouth. And it says, yeah. bigger bastards need more nails. Like, yeah. It's a prized weapon among rangers for its superior rate of fire, crowd control, greater armor piercing. Like, it's so, and it's ammo chewer, as you said. Yeah. So yeah, it yeah. doesn't. The super shotgun yeah. has too. And I like that because I actually like the, the distinction. If you look at the difference between the shotgun and the super shotgun, uh, the close range is significantly higher, but short and oh, medium yeah. range are quite quite a bit lower than the normal shotgun, which is really great, in my opinion, a great way to uh, to really continue to push that the 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 play style of Doom in that. Mm you're not standing back and shooting from a distance. If you have a gun like the super shotgun, you're going to be literally putting the barrel to the demon's head and pulling the trigger and then turning around <laughs> and doing it again. You're not, and, you, and you're just rushing. Like that's, I think that just the the way that they, they, they delineated those two types of weapons and how the ammo works helps, helps make that uh, even more believable. Yeah. And I mean, and it's a, it's a great way as far as a game design perspective to um, encourage the style of play that you are aiming for without having to sit and fucking explain it. Because yeah. as you just said, like you clearly say, like you don't have to say a goddamn word, but you know, more close, worse, farther away. I'm supposed to get fucking close to this weapon. Like it's, yeah. ugh. and then ammo chewer too. So like it does a lot more up close, but usage die instant with those, Fucking the rounds that are coming off. Oh, yeah. So, so, so clever. So smart. Like they did not only, I mean, Andrew and Paul, but uh, is Andrew a fantastic artist, but clearly like knows their way around game design too. Yeah. Um, Rocket launcher, Thunderbolt, which this is one of those cells weapons. Um, It is a terrible construct that releases a streak of lightning. Um, which is fantastic. Another piece of uh, of art down here at the bottom: a shambler wielding its horrendous bolt power. So it's the, it's one of the it's one of the guys yeah. from the cover. I think it's the guy in the back left cover here, right? And then it's got this lightning bolt power. God, so good. Okay, so power ups. Which could you get more video gamey than a power up, <laughs> right? Um, artifacts of dark science or darker magic. Official R&D policy is to treat them with extreme caution. But what do those pencil necks know? Again, the 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 narrator coming through in in the rules writing, which which is super fun. So you get a power up die. If a ranger obtains a power up, the duration of its effect is determined by a power up die, usually a D4. This is similar to supply ammo die with the following differences. It is rolled at the end of every combat round, regardless of if the effect of the power up is used. If a one is rolled, the power-up wears off at the end of the next round. If the highest number of the die is rolled, the power-up remains active. Excuse me. And the power-up die is upgraded to the next die tier to a maximum of D8. Power-ups always end at the close of any given combat. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you continue to... You start at the lowest, and you can ramp it up 
But if you ever hit the, like, it can also dissipate almost immediately and then it's done afterwards. Yeah. It's such a great way to make each individual combat, each individual encounter, like, so much more dynamic. It's like bloodlust. Like, you know, it, it, if you if you keep going, you just keep getting more and more. But if you have, like, a break between two kills for some reason, it's just gone. Right? I, I think, yeah. My God, I can't fucking, it's just so good. We got to play this game. Let's play. Let's set up a game and play. I wanted to play for a while. So, um, so uh, these are different uh, power-ups. Um, is there any that really stuck out to you? The pentagram of protection was the one that I think I uh, I noticed immediately because I thought uh, I was immediately drawn to because when I played Doom, um, the most recent Doom, uh, I was really thinking about the magic aspect of... Um, of that game and how they really leaned into that a lot. Um, and I like that they just talked about the sorcerers that drew upon hell magic. Like, I just think that that's fucking, that's cool. Um, but mega health is the one that's going to stick out to me because of my childhood. I mean, I was already thinking about the big keg of hell from unreal tournament and, uh, which was an actual item. It was literally a giant barrel and it gave you extra health over the maximum um, that otherwise you couldn't get. You could never get higher than 100 unless you had the big keg of health, which gave you 199. Um, and yeah, I just, mega health is great. That's the one I like. Yeah, there's, and there's so many good ones. Like you said, like the pentagram of protection, the ring of shadows, powerful rings of invisibility, forged and infused with black magic. Yeah, mega health. There's there's D6. Um, there's a one D612, the bio suit. A prototype suit resembling a hybrid of a hazmat suit and diving gear scavenged for use by former humans. Luckily, they're also just your size. Um, it lets you breathe underwater and traverse corrosive slime, but does not protect against lava. I love that it really, uh, it even underlines that where it's like, so clearly lava sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't touch that shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're so good. Uh, what, what's the other? Quad damage is great. Yeah. So, yeah, the power ups are, are really fun, interesting things. And then there's new action rules. So each ranger is allowed to take as many actions as they like. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Just the freedom of just, oh, oh, man. Just going off. But however, as soon as they fail a skill check or miss an attack, they are done for the round and must wait until the next to act again. But how do you balance that so one person doesn't destroy fucking everything? The next rule is so good. So for each action or attack that a ranger takes after the first, they must roll another d20 when making their skill check or attack and choose the worst result. So mm -hmm. in effect, this is like stacked disadvantage. Any and all natural ones are counted and applied immediately. So basically you don't, so my, this is how I how I read this. So I roll a d20 to hit a shambler, right? I get a, a 19, I fucking hit. So then I want to attack again. I have to roll a d20 again. But it says choose the worst result. No, so the next turn you're going to roll 2d20 and you're going to choose the worst result. And then... If you and then still the next hit, one is 3d20, then 4d20, then 5d20. Got yep. it, got it, got it. Yeah. So basically, it's yeah, it's so you can roll, you can roll as many dice as you want, but the first time you fail, you're out. 
Yeah, and and the more turns you take, the higher chance you have of ending up with a natural one and rolling on the fucking ape shit, going ape shit, or oh fuck natural one tables, say frosty, which are fucking really cool, by the way. Um, yeah, oh fuck, and first of all, call, calling it the oh fuck natural one I table is fucking amazing. Yeah. So yeah. So as usual, uh, if they think a task is particularly tough, the GM may make a ranger add an extra d20 of disadvantage just to add to the pool. So it's dice pools of d20s. Yeah. Like, <laughs> love it. It's like, all right, I'm on my sixth one, and uh, I'm gonna try and jump across this thing and shoot that guy over there. And the GM's like, well, you have to jump. So throw another d20 on there. You roll eight to eight d20 this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and and you know it's five percent chance of rolling you know that's that that's always been my knock on d20s just a just a tangent for a second is it it's a five percent chance for every number on the die so yeah. like yeah, but flat. one thing i love about d6s like 2d6 specifically my favorite roll dice is bell curve so like you're more than likely to succeed at the thing that you're good at and stuff um but once you start hitting eight d5 you know even six, like you're at 30 40 like plus percent chance of rolling that one, but you could get it at any time. So it's yeah. a really great way to allow people to God, can you imagine just being like, fuck it, I I I push I all in again, all in again. I'm and just, you get yeah, to the point where I'm you're just rolling gonna like go until 10, I fuck up, you know? Yeah. You're rolling like 10, 11, 12 D20s and just being like, oh my God. Like I would if I was playing this game re regularly with a group, I would literally have a chart of like who yeah. and when rolled the most fucking action rolls in a row and be like yeah, yeah. kirby remember that day that kirby got like nine fucking actions like well, that's even, crazy. The, the, the crazy thing is and we'll talk about jibs in a minute but the crazy thing is when you consider how you can do this and then jibs on top of that and then even throwing in some power-up stuff in those turns as well like you can really just go absolutely bananas literally on your on one turn and yeah. and just like massacre a room like i yeah. it's oh, it's so fucking which cool. is which is cool as fuck and if i was a player watching that i would just be cheering the whole fucking time you know yeah. what i mean like i'd be so excited yeah. Um, no. So the oh fuck natural one shit fuck shit and going ape shit tables from Stay Frosty refer to disadvantage on certain actions. This works the same way in Slipgate. Um, simply add one extra d20 to whatever you have to roll and take the worst result. Hostiles still use the existing Stay Frosty rules for actions and attacks each turn. Just write it in the book. Um, another fantastic example of play. So it, for like everything that it does for like equipment, for ammo, for actions, for everything, there's an example of play. Really smart, really clever. Yeah, like Super that. encourage people to put that in. Um, it's 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 so important. Um, and then another picture of the Cestus, I think it's called here, with the variant tension table, which I, I I really love. So the table can be used in place of the tension table on page twenty one of Stay Frosty. So tension ramps up, and I think we're going to talk about tension in just a second. Um, but basically, it's one through six, and at tension level one, you're calm, and there's no benefit. So actually getting more tension is better to a point. So at two, you're irritated and you get plus one of damage rolls. At three, you're angered and you have advantage on saves. At four, you're enraged and have advantage on initiative. At five, you go berserk and ranged attacks gain agile. Um, and at six, it's called against the dying of the light, your rage level. Um, extre extra damage die for base damage. So e.g. one plus one D8 for a rocket launcher. So you just, if you go against the dying light, you uh you become the the doom guy um so uh new combat rules we talked about earlier the stunt die which is fun so you start with the d3 right yes 
So uh, Slipgate Chunk Point abuses a mechanic to encourage rangers to perform the sort of high-flying, high-explosive, and highly unlikely feats performed by protagonists in the 90s FPS games. This is known as the stunt die, which for level one characters is a D3. I fucking love this so fucking much. Um, using the stunt die, if a ranger wishes to perform a stunt as part of an attack, they must outline their attempt to the GM. They then roll their current stunt die along with their attack roll. If the die is at three or higher and the attack is a hit, then the stunt is considered successful with bonuses determined at the GM's discretion. So at low level, you have like a 33% chance of hitting your, your stunt. Yeah. Right. Because you have to hit a three and get the attack. But as your stunt eye increases, you could fucking stunt out like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like, it, it, and it, an- another way that I think that this really works well in in emulating is, uh, is kind of how you power up in games like Metroidvania games, where as you get better over time or you progress through a game, you have items. And this is kind of like a, not necessarily items, but like the the better your stunt die is, the more cool stuff you can do on your turn. Um, which I think is just a really cool way to just keep, keep like rolling in that, in, in the, in the genre that it's emulating. It's doing, it's just, yeah, it's very clever. Yeah. It's, it's another way to string together stuff, but I love the idea that it really is designed to keep the game from going purely mechanic where it's just like okay yeah. i roll again okay i roll again because it specifically says if you want to do a stunt what are you going to do talk to the gym about like outline the badass shit you're going to do and it keeps people from just being like okay if they're a fireball because one of the questions like when i you know especially in like 5e with early early players one way i got players to um rp a little bit more was they go okay well i throw a fireball and i say what does it look like what do you mean? Well, what yep. color is your fire? Yeah. How do you throw it? Are you are you overhand? Are you underhanded? Like describe to me. And people for some for some people, like it almost breaks their brain for a second. They're like, oh, I didn't I didn't think about that. I just saw a fireball. No, tell yeah. me what it looks like. No, I and ejaculate get, a fireball. Yeah. I just, like, and then you know, white flame <laughs> streaks forth. It's white and then, flame. <laughs> yeah. And as you get more powerful, one thing I love to do was to say, like, every couple of levels your it increases right so if if your level one chill touch is just a skeletal hand your level 10 chill touch might be like a skeletal hand with like skulls ringing it as it goes forward and shit so this is the kind of thing you know where you can really use the mechanics to pull rp into it which again is what can really help to 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 keep that delineation between board game and tabletop role-playing game yeah. because there are mechanics that encourage RP, which is yeah. super important. That's always been one of my favorite parts of being a player is being able to have the freedom, as long as I have a, a game master that is obviously a good game master, um, being able to have the freedom to describe what I want my, my character's shit to look like and to do. And it's just, yeah. it's so much fun to be able to come up with that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so only one stunt can be executed per chain of, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, only one stunt per chain of jibbing opponents. See jibs and being jibbed below. So we're getting to jibs. I don't know we were talking about it the whole time. We're getting there. Stunt die is only for use with actions comprising an attack. If a purely acrobatic or intellectual feat is required without aggression, they should be rolled as usual skill. If the stunt die fails, but the attack hits, roll damage is normal. So it's not it's not for doing smart shit guys it's for murder like that's what it's the stunt is for 
that's it. So uh, some fast. examples, dude, the first one is where I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> nice, some yeah. examples, dude, bouncing a grenade off of a wall around a corner to hit an opponent that is out of sight. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Um, jumping from a high platform into a pool of water and shooting an opponent on the way down, throwing an explosive ammo pack into the air above a group of opponents and shooting it with a nail gun to detonate it, and then rocket jumps, blowing yourself up in order to fly. Like, the first and last one to me are like, that's exactly the kind of shit. Like, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to throw, I'm actually going to jump and turn my rocket launcher around and blast behind me so I can, like, double jump over some yeah. shit. Fuck yeah, that's what I'm doing. That was in the, so, I think that was actually in the in the narrative in the very beginning of the book. Um, the guy... Yeah shoot does that rocket jump the only thing i wish that i and and maybe maybe i missed it i i'm trying to reread this section real quick to see if i missed it but i wish that they had if you rolled a one on the stunt die and you miss your attack it somehow fucks you up bonus consequences like, yeah. yeah like if you bounce a grenade off a wall but you fuck up your roll and you miss the attack, then the grenade bounces right back to you, and it blows up in your face. Which I think is just a GM, a GM can just adjudicate that themselves. But um, yeah, I, I, I love it would that. Be kind I of think fun to have that. Yeah, that that again, as we talked about earlier, it's it's adding those risk reward choices into the shit that you're doing. I that would be I would I would a hundred percent throw that into the game. Just be like, if you miss and roll a one, like you, yeah. I, uh, what what was the what was the thing earlier where it's like wasn't there a rule earlier where it said like if you miss no 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 yeah. it was the psi power rule where it's like if you From miss off, yeah. you take the damage of how much yeah, you yeah. missed by Basically. that would be really fun or or you know the damage of whatever your attack was supposed to be whichever one's higher or lower or whatever that would be a fun way to 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 adjudicate that a little bit hundred yeah. percent variant rule made up right here on the stream here we when go. we play state when we play this we're doing it all right so. Jibbed and being jibbed. This is this is your bag here. This is yeah. being jibbed means taking so much damage in one hit that your body is reduced to an explosive rain of bloody organs. Your final words ending up as no more than a messy gurgling noise. It is imperative that the GM describes this in gruesome detail. I love that last line. It's just so good. Just Listen, please, I know you can't, please describe. I know you can hear me clapping on stream, but I am clapping right now. Just so you know. God, and this the art. I know. I love this one. It's just uh, his head's still attached, though, which does make me a bit sad. But otherwise, it's just fantastic. Well, I mean, yeah, but 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 we got an arm gone. We got a leg gone. We got his got guts about four feet out of his body, of front and back. Yeah, yep. it's it's so good. So um, any combatant is jibbed if they die by having their hit points reduced to their jib value. Um, E.g. grunts have a jib value of minus eight. If a ranger jibs an opponent, they may immediately make a free attack with advantage. Yes. If this leads to jibbing their next target, they may make another attack with advantage and so on. They may continue this a number of times equal to their level. So, um, important note, when the jibbing rules are combined with the multiple action rules, the chained jib attack should just be rolled with 1d20 with advantage. Essentially, they don't count as extra actions. The jibbing chain takes place outside the normal sequence of actions and is a blood-fueled fugue of arse-kicking. It's so good. So you could theoretically have like a four... Like you could keep pushing your actions. You could be on your fourth d20 and then you jib somebody. Right. So that that in and of itself, you basically are now outside of your chain of actions and you can jib until you no longer jib. Right. And then yep. continue back into your chain of actions. Yep. 
And then if you jib again, you go jibbing. Like you just be you jibbing. Do, you, like, do, you do be jibbing. <laughs> can you can you chain multiple jibs? Was there a thing earlier? I thought there was something earlier about chaining jibs. You can't wait. You can't chain. I think you can't chain stunts into jib. Or what was it? Uh, let's see here. It was uh, only one 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 stunt can be executed per chain of jibbing. I don't think that there was anything about not rejibbing chains. <laughs> gotcha. So, so I love so saying it's basically so you can't try to stunt every jib, right? You can stunt every chain of jibs. So yeah. we could theoretically be on 4D20 on my fourth action per that per turn or in this turn. I jib, I get into a jib chain like three kills, I roll a stunt. I miss the last one. I go back to my regular 4D20, get into 5D20, and then I jib again. I go into a second jib chain. I kill three more dudes and roll a stunt during that as well. And then I end up ending my turn at some point. Now, here, though, is my question. So, like, if you go from or how would you feel like if you're in a chain of forward moving actions, right? And you... When when does the chain end again? When you haven't killed someone, or just whenever you fucking want it to, or or when you roll a one it's, or whatever? It's when you miss. When you miss, yeah. So like as your as your dice pool of d twenties is increasing, your chance of missing is significantly increasing. Right. Um, but if so, you are if you go from a chain of hits into a chain of jibs, and you miss, you're done. Right? It's not like you miss. And then you go back to regular actions. It's just your jib chain ends. If you hit, but don't jib somebody, you can go back into a regular chain of actions. Right. But if you miss everything you've done ends. okay. All right. The jib chain is an end of everything. Yeah. The jib chain only continues. If you are instant, instant jibbing ever is instant jibbing. Okay. Right. So you can be in the midst of like actions and jibs and a stunt. And then if you miss once, it all disappears. I love that. It's like the build up and then two. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. So good. It's great. It's good shit. Um, A ranger is jibbed if they die in an attack that causes one of their attributes to reach 32. If a player character ranger is jibbed, it is extremely traumatic for the party. Increased tension by 1d4 and then tension explodes immediately as per normal state frosty rules. Um, I think we bounced past... um, uh, on on that the the uh tension we'll have to go back to stay frosty but okay so your attribute has to reach 32 in one hit mm-hmm. so i mean the worst you could possibly do is like if you're if you're at one hp you would have to take 33 damage to get gypped yeah yeah that's a lot that's a lot well, I almost at- wonder why they went 32 specifically and didn't just say double your stat. Well, the 20, 21 is the is the cap for stay frosty. Um, and I'm wondering if they added some because of their powerful enemies uh, rules, which is the next section. Um, let me see here. As we're looking at that, there's another piece of art here that's like most of this page. And it's yep. this grunts shambling through halls of rotting eldritch tech, which it's such a good piece. There's like skull stuff on the wall. There's a dude in the back with like a weird mat. I mean, just the art throughout this entire thing and candles because, you know, why not? Um, 
so you were talking about the powerful opponent rule. Yeah, I wanted um, to go pop open say Frosty again and take a look at that real quick and see. All right. So I'm going to read that while you're going through Stay Frosty. The powerful opponent rule um, from page 10 of Stay Frosty now only applies to hand-to-hand -hand combat. Successful ranged attacks are always simply a roll under the target's decks for hostiles and a roll equal to or over the ranger's decks for character uh, for player characters. So page 10. Yeah, it's not. It's actually not related to that. It just has to do with difficulty, basically. Um Wait, so the PCs and hostiles subtract one from their attack rolls for every hit dice the hostile has over the PC's level. That's really fucking important, it says, with the F yeah. and everything. So, if so an enemy... Boss, basically. Yeah. So, if the enemy is, like, level 10, right, HD 10, and you're level 5, every roll you do against the enemy is minus 5. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Um, but again, I'm I'm curious why they specifically picked 32 for for jibbing. Because I know if you hit 21, yeah, you die. But like that means you really only need to hit like 22 to to I I'm curious. I wonder if it's because that's the Would that be the most you can do if you had the most HP you could have? Like, I'm just, I'm trying to to think in my head what specifically would make mathematically the 32 yeah. pop into it because I'm, I'm not sure. I was just looking through the the book again to see if I could figure out why. I think um, they may have just bumped it up to a higher number because you can still die and not be jibbed. Right. At, in right. So in Stay Frosty, you die at 21. Right. Um, in this, I don't know. I maybe you die at twenty one. And this is, I'm assuming, since it's the same rules, but you right. jib at thirty two, which right. traumatizes right. the party and causes uh, but, the tension table to uh, to explode, etc. So, but maybe what I was curious just, about was was like why why a flat number instead of like a derived number? Like if you yeah, are yeah, I don't know. say say your stats like thirteen, why wouldn't you jib at twenty six? Yeah, but I, I guess. That means if your stats like, I mean, I guess it makes sense because, right, if your stats only eight, you would jib at 16, but that's not even 21, which is where your death is. So I yeah. guess it makes sense that you need to have a pretty high number. Yeah. But the lower the stat, the harder it is to get jibbed, realistically. Because if your stats only five and you have to get to 32, you they have to do like 30, you know seven damage to get you from a low number all the way up to 32 it's almost easier the higher your stat no 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 because lower is good low is good because the roll over yeah 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 oh wait a minute you re-rolled your five yes i did you so wanted a, to keep your five a, i have a 10 on that instead of a five but wait a minute but you would have wanted to keep your five right because lower is better uh no uh no you're rolling above your skill rolls are uh you are above it's going to be 10 plus right so, you have to roll over a 10 right yeah, yeah. so so if you be, roll a 5 you yeah. roll over a 5 so if i had a 5 i would roll over a 5 but that would be if i'm trying to do whatever that skill check is right if uh, for the combat it is the let's see i was just looking at it a second ago um for combat in state uh so they roll under my dexterity 
um, or brawn for hand to hand. So interesting. Yeah, so lower stats were better. You would actually want to re-roll your 13, not your 5, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you have, so your up. 5 would have been fucking, like, the greatest roll ever. Yeah, yeah, I, I fucked that up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. well, I mean, obviously, we just switch back to the 5, but yeah, that that's what's up. No, we're keeping my fuck up. Oh, okay. For for the player that we're not playing, but we're just reading. Yes. That, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, ten's not bad either. So anyway, so that's no. a powerful opponent rule. Basically, it just says that it only applies to melee telefragging when a ranger steps into a teleporter with their physical into a teleporter. Their physical being is immediately broken down and spat out or formed elsewhere. Some brave souls try to become lucid and move their liminal form through sheer willpower. If a ranger can get themselves inside a hostile right before reforming, it's a bloody spectacle. Rangers can go full gung-ho and telefrag a single chosen enemy upon teleporting. This requires a willpower save and starts with two disadvantage. Damn. I.e. roll three dice and use the lowest. Improved or worsened by the condition of the teleporter. The relative distance of the telefragger and the target and so on. If they succeed, the enemy bursts into gore and they emerge unscathed. If they fail... They will materialize inside a solid object such as a wall and suffer instant death. It's one hell of a gamble, but gutsy actions can sometimes lead to absolute glory. Gyms are encouraged to carefully consider the placement of teleporters. Dude, I would almost say that they actually just merge with the beast thing and either instantly die or become some, like, powerful enemy. Yeah, I mean, telefragging is classic, though. I mean, I, I was just looking at the the translocator from Unreal Tournament because that used to be one of my favorite ways to kill people. It, the translocator in Unreal Tournament was an actual gun that you could use to teleport yourself. So you would shoot like a disc somewhere and then you oh, right click and teleport to it. And if you were out of ammo, that was like the primary way to kill people was to shoot your disc at somebody and then teleport right when it hits them. So it, you tell you trans you telefrag them like it it was so much fun to be able to do that um and just timing your shots properly uh yeah that is so much fun now obviously they don't have the translocator gun in uh slipgate well, but not I yet. love the way that they not kind yet. of brought that in yeah not yeah. yet but they're going to <laughs> um but here here's the other thing is. I am not so I know Doom I know Quake I never played classic Doom I played some of the later ones. I'm going to be straight up with you because you've said it a bunch of times. I have never even heard of Unreal Tournament. Oh, my God. Unreal Tournament. Yeah. Is the... Every, I mean, everybody always played Quake. A lot of people played Quake. Um, mm-hmm. But Unreal Tournament was the one that I grew up playing. And I played Quake a little bit when I was really young, but it was really just Unreal Tournament, like land parties and stuff. And it, it it's very I mean, it's basically the same game. It's just a bit more. uh sci-fi like uh dystopian capitalist versus quake and doom style like end of the world kind of thing um but basically the same exact game (laughs) gotcha okay yeah um okay so uh xp we're almost we're actually almost done we're on page uh 32 here so experience points after returning to earth via slipgate a ranger earns xp for the following achievements uh half a point of xp per hostile killed by the enemy so it says the GM should record each party kill as a tally, but so that's total. Okay, so the GM can record that plus one XP per hit dice of each hostile personally killed by the ranger, and ranger should record that. So if your guy's five HD, you get 
five XP for each one. Um, mm -hmm. Variable XP per scenario, objective achieved by the party. See the flay, flay domain. Leveling up can only occur on Earth, never in the middle of an excursion. Um, stats increase in the same manner as described on page 13, um, which basically, as we said, you, you roll D20. If it's under your current stat, you reduce it by one. Um, the additional actions gained at levels three and five no longer apply because those were basically get more actions, but you can do that anytime you want now. Yeah. Um, when leveling up, new maximum HP are calculated by rolling the HD indicated on the chart. If this new value is higher than the ranger's current max, it replaces it. Otherwise, they retain their current one. And this new experience system is specifically designed to focus Day Frosty gameplay even further towards fighting, bravado, and glory seeking. Um, if you don't like it, feel free to keep the original. I, I mean, that's like you getting rewarded for individually killing off enemies i think is such a great way to keep the keep it genre um i do like this table here um one through ten wet nose gate hopper ranger veteran raider brute champion abysmal champion pain meister and warp lord roll the old 7d10 with five traits a d6 stunt die and it takes 2,500 XP. Damn. So yeah. um, the ranger must personally administer the killing blow to the final boss of a mission to achieve each of the levels of Abysmal Champion and Pain Meister. XP is still added to the ranger's tally, but the level cannot be attained without the big kill. I love that. Yes, you can end I up with like 3,000 XP, but if you don't get like the final boss kill, oh. Yeah. Um, and then as above, but the ranger must personally administer the killing blow to a manifestation of a great old one to become a warp lord. I so I, I love, I, I think I saw somewhere on Twitter and I can't remember what it was, but there was something about like secret and maybe it's in a game we read, but it was basically secret achievements. Is it, is that a mothership thing? Maybe it's not. Maybe it was a mothership hack, but basically maybe it was, maybe it was, Christian Sorrell in um, uh, Bloodfield Station. But basically, like, there's a list of secret achievements you can get where um, you the players don't know about it, but you basically... And I feel like it'd be hard to keep track of it because it's not a fucking video game, so it won't tell you automatically. But, I, but you get, like, secret achievements once you've done a certain thing enough times where you just are like, hey, by the way, you just earned this thing because you did, like, three fucking jibs in a row or some yeah. shit. Um, but... But yeah, um, the next section is so for those that are not listening, Kirby just ran and got his Bloodfield station, uh, yes. uh, so that we could we could check. Um, maybe it was a Merc. I, I thought it was maybe that, but maybe it was a Merkberg one or something. I'm not it sure. sounds like something that would be in a in a Christian Sorrel book, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I'm or Mothership. If you, listen, if you're listening and you remember what it is, you just drop us a comment on the YouTube channel and we can remember what it was. Um, so, hostiles here. A note on morale. A great many of the horrors on the other side of the slipgates have no fear of humanity. If a hostile listed here as an X as his morale value, it will always fight to the death. Another great piece of art here. So, um, Champion of Cathon, Enforcer, um, and there's great art with all of these, but a pretty straightforward baddie, just so we can look at it, um, is, uh, is an Enforcer. So, uh, hit dice two, which gives you fifteen. Um, armor two. I wonder what the hit dice is. If it's fifteen, I assume it's got to be d8s to get to fifteen, and that's almost maxed out yeah. at fifteen for that. D8 um, is like the the standard classic OSR yeah. H, HD. So, 
Um, armor 2, morale 17, jib is minus 8, laser rifle 2d10, uh, AP1 long. So hard as nails, muscle of the elder gods and foreman of the cold steel tunnels of corrupted tech bases. They oversee the strategic operations of slipgate invasions, a task considered beneath the noble duties of the knights, vores, and other such beings. So basically for a, a stat for the monster is hit dice armor, morale, their jib score, and the weapon that they have. That's it. And then each one also has like a solid chunk of lore which i really yeah. like because it can really encourage the way that you play the bad guys mm -hmm. um each one is gosh like it, almost a quarter of a page for the amount of lore yeah. um the fiend art is absolutely amazing it's almost like it's got like bull legs but like hook like almost hook horror hands with these giant bloody horns this giant open mouth like it's oh. grotesque dude it's like, a, like uh, a rotten ghoul nose, like so good. And I love that there's a piece of art for every bad guy. Listen, I know art is expensive, but if you're the artist, you can draw as much as you fucking want. Yeah, and yeah. you just said, fuck it. We're doing all the art. Um, yeah. But having a piece of art for all of the bad guys is really important. Uh, it's Rottweiler it's, one. Look, yeah. look at that Rottweiler one, dude. It is well, just... the, the night one, too, is so good with like the, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the pointy blade. But yeah, let's scroll down to the... The Rottweiler, the Living Dead are cool. The zombies are dope. Uh, Ogre, oh, I love that's a chainsaw one order. So Rottweiler, oh yeah, it's like its tongue turns into tentacles at the end, Ugh. like ah, uh, so good. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty low bad guy. HD one, armor zero, morale fifteen with four plus allies, otherwise eight. Um, I like that. So, like, the more bad guys are around, the more morale it has, which is cool. Uh, jib minus seven. Ungodly snapping teeth. 1d10 hand-to-hand. -hand. And then a pinning leap, which is cool. If a pinning leap is successful, the ranger must make a deck save or be pinned to the ground. Each round, the ranger must make a bronze save to escape and the Rottweiler will make an attack with advantage. Love that. I love, I love when animals have, like, that kind of, like, pinning or dragging down, yeah. like, combat. That's great. They're weak, but if they get lucky, you're fucked. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially if there's like five of them. Jeez. Yeah. Um, because yeah. I would say that, like, if if one of them has you pinned, like everyone around you would have advantage on the attack. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the skag scrag is just an insanely gross, weird, unarmed hugger. Weird thing. Yeah. Um, keep going down. Shambler. We looked at earlier the necro crud. Uh, Vor, Wraithfish. So, uh, what was the big bad? That was one of the stats that I really wanted to look at. Was it the the ogre is HD three? I think it was like Chthonic thing in the beginning. The fiend is only HD three. The shambler is um, HD ten plus six. Uh, is it? Yeah, the shambler is oh, big. Oh fuck! Big um, yeah, HD is for the knight is one. Yeah, and the champion of Cathonist. Okay, so yeah, so Shambler. Where where we got? Where is that Shambler boy? Up. Oh, oh God. Oh, here he is. Okay, so H oh, holy shit. HD ten plus six armor three no morale minus twenty gib, bolt of inner power five d ten. Claw swipes two times 2d6. Titanic frame. They only take half damage from any explosive weapon. And the bolt thrower. If a shambler can see a ranger, it can attack with near unerring accuracy. All bolt attacks from a shambler against a ranger that is not in cover are treated as though the ranger has a crappy dexterity of 18. Ignore oh. the powerful opponent's rule. I just realized why 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you can still be alive at minus 20. 21 is when you die, according to Stay Frosty's rules. So an enemy would have to hit you for minimum 13 damage to kill you, to jib you as a as a player character. Because you can still be alive and doing shit at 20 uh, at one of your attributes being 20. So I was just looking oh. at his damage and being like, being like, how could he do at minimum 24 damage be able to hit you for 32 plus but then Maybe. i realized you could still be alive at at minus 20 um, and it's st- so, it's st- yeah. you you can it, it stack stays up there. your stats to get yes. there it stays up there see look yes. at us see you just yes. gotta keep reading the book and we'll get there eventually yes. so yeah so that's that's bad guys there's a whole section here on uh building new monsters which i fucking love and i think it's perfect for Very this cool. You roll a base form, um, you roll armor, uh, you roll special abilities. Um, this would be pretty fun to just sit down and roll up a shitload of these. Talks about morale and attacks. Talks about that. It, like, it gives you hand-to-hand attacks, ranged attacks. Um, and it also talks about how to build missions and campaigns, including a whole campaign advice tape. Like, this is such a well-fucking-put-together book of all the resources and things that you need. Like... This is this is one of my fav like I think this is one of the best done books overall for tabletop role playing games that I've read in a while in that yeah. it gives you all the resources you need, all the lore you need, like it's got the navigation tools, it's got all sorts of stuff. And then it goes down into the Flayed Domain, which is an adventure for level one rangers. So it's got intro adventure with more big bad guys. Beautiful mm-hmm. fucking art. Again, we're gonna scroll quick because oh, the Death Lord. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. Um I love that then, though, uh, in the introductory adventure, they have their own monster that they made for it like they didn't just use the shit that was in the book already they just made their own like it was like that's that right there is a great example of how you can run the game too like here's you know we we already listed a bunch of shit but like here's one we made ourselves using the tables we made for you to do the same thing and here's an example of it in the adventure we provided you like it's that's great spectacular so fucking good and then the maps used in it are literally like 16 bit old school like fucking like perfect i mean as soon as i said that i was like that's fucking perfect you couldn't have done them Uh any other way um and what's cool too is that the um the maps for this i mean they're obviously in the book but they're on drive through rpg so you can for like a dollar 25 or some shit go buy all the maps you need to run this adventure so what adventure do you think we're gonna be running guys and then i love this i love the page at the back that's got andrew paul and ambika um, in like that weird, like exactly how I imagine that the creators put themselves into the game at the end of the fucking Doom and shit. So good. And then the back page is a picture of the Death Lord, all colored with with some cool stuff on the back. So that's fucking Slipgate Choke Point. Such a good I'm fucking obsessed. game. Fucking so good. Let's play it sooner than later. I'm so down. This gave me yes. so much inspiration for something that I'm working on. And every time I read it, I found another piece of inspiration where I'm like, hmm, this could be adapted really easily. So this is fantastic. So we are, this is, this is clearly long enough. We're going to do, I think the second scores of, um, of, uh, the second scoring of a game. Um, this year, because man, we've really been doing a lot more, uh, a lot more yeah, interviews, which were really, yeah. Oh yeah. You have to. So, um, 
So, okay. So for those that don't know, we are ostensibly a game review podcast and for games that are big enough and we're still trying to figure out a way to score zines. I think we've narrowed it down to like just using three instead of five. So basically three stats instead of five for the score. So we had a 15, no, out of 30 instead of 50. But basically when we review a game, um, and we did change this from the beginning before each one was worth five. Now they're worth 10. We did that, I think, after episode 10. Um, so Slipgate. So, for example, or no, to explain our our scoring system, there are five scores um, with a total of up to 10 points each. So for a total potential score of 50 points, um, the it is art and style, which is both the amount of art that's in a book and the style in which it's used. Um, and then uh, the way we score is also, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's compared to other games. So some scores, as we've reviewed more games, have we've gone back and increased or decreased scores because we've looked at more games. So um, for art and style, uh, 10 is literally basically a fucking art book. Like the the even the, the way that the words are written are put into the art it's it's almost difficult to read it because it's so art heavy um and then style obviously is is style so i think the only one that got a 10 last year was like mark borg which i mean because again like half the rules are in the art um or things like warpland got high scores um layout and function is um uh it's not layout is in the visual layout that would be put into the style section but layout and function are uh the readability of a book um, function is the navigation tools, things like that. So it's really about how it's actually laid out um, in order to get the information to you. Um, same with function. Rule set and crunch is if it is an adapted system, how well is adapted? If it's a new system, um, um, how good is it really? How much do we like it? And crunch is just a level of like, do we feel like it either, if it says rules light, is it rules light? Or do we feel like there are the number of rules you need? Do we feel like there could be a little bit more, a little bit less? Um, originality is a pretty broad one that's pretty subjective. It's really a mix of all of those things together, including the lore genre, all that kind of stuff together. And value is um, not only um, uh, how much does a book individually cost to you, but what else do you get with it? Do you get third-party licenses? Is there a lot of third-party content? Um, are there maps that you can buy? Is there an intro adventure? Is it wh wh What's the bang for your buck, really, is, is what it is. So those are the scores for that. So we're going to kick it off with art and style. So fuck. I mean, Andrew Walter's art is fucking amazing. And the book is jam packed. Yeah. Jam fucking packed. I mean, what, how do you feel about the art and style? What, 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 what would you have to say on it? Um, I mean, the art is incredible. Uh, like you said, the only problems I have with the books art and style is i don't like the font uh for me so so it's difficult to read only because yeah. of the actual font choice um mm -hmm. and i understand I would, I would say that i think that's a layout thing though okay fair enough. To style. Right. yeah yeah okay um then we'll stick oh let's see let me pop it back open here and and, and just Gosh, take it's quick i mean yeah like i guess if we're gonna just go with the actual go like I'd have to give it like a seven or an eight because it's not, I mean, I don't know, maybe. Gosh. So, I mean, here's the thing. Um, every, every white space is filled with art, which I love. Yeah. It's super important. 
There are pages of full art. I would say, yeah. and this is just because we have to put things across, right? It's not full color, right? The only color that was, is the, that was the, the only, covers. Yeah. Yep. Um, oh, uh, actually, there's red around the uh, ammo choices. But yeah, so that's it. So that's really, I, as far as like how good is the art, it's fucking fantastic. Um, how does the style fit the genre? I think, I don't know if you could yeah. really do better fucking art for style, right? Um, yeah. So a, a couple of points off because it's not full color. I'm um, not a couple of points, but I think a point off or it's not full color. Um, another point I would say off because it's really, um, again, like to get to a 10, and this is subjectively just for art, not the book as a whole. That's why you have to look yeah. at the total score at the end, everybody listening, right? Um, yeah. It's not like the, the rules don't ever cross into the art. You know, it's not like that the art and the rules combine. So that really drops down for me. Um, comparing it to what we often do, too, is compare it to previous ones. So the last one we really gave a score to was like the Electrum Archive, um, which I feel like is similar to this. The art style is fucking amazing, um, but it is black and white. And there's no part where the art is kind of combined with the 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 game itself. And we gave that an eight. Um, so... Yeah. I would feel comfortable giving this a solid eight just because how good the art is. The fact that, again, like one of those first pages early on, I'm actually going to kick back to that. Like this page here early on with like the full page of that creature uh -huh. with like the 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 eating it and the full page art pieces. I mean, I just don't see how it could get much lower than that. What are your what are your feelings on? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't have a problem with with no color. Uh, I would say they had if they printed when they print this they would have had to pay for color because of the red yeah. outlines around the tokens so if there were other color options i would have wanted to see that um but mm -hmm. then again color's fucking hard to do if you're if you're painting and uh and you know andrew did excellent job with all the shading so i think yeah. eight's fine i i might even be happy happy going to a nine but i would stick with an eight probably just to be uh you know I don't want to be too too excited about it. Yeah, we're trying to be a little bit. I mean, we 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 <laughs> trying so to be we, a little bit critical. We're yeah. I think last year, we, I think we did a really. I think I think we did a really damn good job. But I think there were times where we were like a little bit lenient with a couple of things. We're trying to be yeah. a little bit more consistent. Yeah. I think eight feels really good because honestly, like this is better than a lot of the tabletop books I get. And you know, I think eight is really yeah. peak until you get into basically fucking art punk books. So yeah. I, I think that's a the good one. So layout and function. So you were saying about the font choice. Right. I don't like the font choice. Uh, it's not a bad font. I just personally, as Kirby, this font is just a little bit hard for me to read because of the strange mix. I'm not sure which one it is. I'm actually curious. Uh, I might actually ask Andrew later. Um, but there's a, it's a, the, the mix of serifs and, 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 uh, and, and like sans serif style. It's like a combination of both is kind of hard for me personally to read. Um, mm -hmm. But the, my main problem was with the character sheet. I did not like the font that they chose for the character sheet. Uh, it's a cool font, but uh, I just personally, I was like, meh. Um, so like, as far as like layout, but everything else, like the the, the function and the, the, like the, the hyperlinks and the bookmarks and all that stuff, the way that the book is actually laid out itself, um, all the sections being delineated. I personally am also a big fan of bold italic and underlines. I know a lot of people hate that stuff in 
um, rules books, but for someone like me who actually has a problem reading because of my ADHD, um, when there is a lot of, whenever a, like a keyword is, is bolded, uh, I, I, it makes it easier for me to breeze through a rule book. Like I read this entire book in, uh, I don't know, 25 minutes or 30 minutes. And, and that's with the font actually giving me some focus issues. Um, so I will say that that bumps up my personal score for the, the layout and, and stuff pretty yeah. significantly. I give, I um, giving this an eight at, on my, for my end, even with the negativity on the character sheet and the, um, the font choice. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all on the font choice. I, you know, I do again, same. I have, I have pretty bad ADHD. Um, and I, I know when I write stuff, like my shit's bolded and underlined like crazy for that exact reason is because I feel like, you know, there's a good emphasis and it also breaks up. Like I'm a, I'm a fast reader, but I'm also a skimmer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can go through. Yeah. And this makes you stop and go, wait, that's important. Wait, that's important. Wait, that's important. And it really, as you said, it really helps to, um, to take in the the information a lot easier, but I don't disagree with you about the font choice. I I think even more than anything with the font choice is the kerning. I think if I'm using the term correctly, like it's just or the you know leading. What I, Maybe the leading. You know what I? The you know what I don't. Words. Okay, so yeah, and I think I think it has. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just the amount of space in between the words it is. But I don't like when things are justified. I don't oh, okay, like yeah. when like it, it will always fill up the space by changing the amount of spaces in between. That's, but I that's don't know if I yeah. yeah, I don't know if I see that as much as I see no, yeah, because there are some differences in the spacing. It, it, may, it makes my brain hurt. Like when I see things justified, I'm like, just keep the same consistent amount of space between each one. So I would say, yeah, really realistically, as far as layout and function, that's one of my only real knocks. And then at that point, what we do is compare it to something else. So it's almost like a lot of times I'll start at five and go up instead of starting at 10 and going down because basically nothing will be Troika, so nothing gets a 10. Like, and then because Troika not only has the content link on every page, on the opposite page, it has the link back to the chapter, but also every chapter is color, like every, like the page color is actually different on each chapter in yeah. the PDF and in the yeah. book. So nothing gets a 10. The closest thing that I've ever seen is death in space, which does have color coded chapters. Um, it just doesn't have the hyperlink back to each individual chapter. So really scores start at, at eights and nines, but the fact that it's got, I mean, just functionality wise, the fact that it's got bookmarks, hyperlinks, inline hyperlinks, a content link on every single fucking page. It tickles me to no end. It's really amazing. I think the book is laid out well in a in a readable way as far as black and white, um, not a huge swath of like white spaces, which I feel is really disruptive when reading. I do think the same as you. I think the only real knock is I get why the fonts were chosen because I feel like they're thematic. Um, yeah. But I do think that there is a level of... Um, uh, a, a little bit of a readability thing. Um, not too bad, but I would say that. So, yeah, but I, I still think regardless of that, I think an eight is a really a really solid number for this. I would be super happy giving it that. I think that, um, you know, you're always going to win me over with that many hyperlinks. So um, eight solid. So I got to I got to remember that. 
Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I, I will say that my if my lasting legacy is and I'm not going to say the names, I've had at least four creators message me and tell me that they specifically went back and put hyperlinks in their book before they released it or added more hyperlinks and bookmarks because I give so much shit about it. So you're welcome, community. <laughs> Keep hyperlinking your shit. It's 2023. If you're going to put out a PDF, make it navigable. Yeah. Um and if you can afford a bookmark in a regular one, you know, that's 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 being picky. That's that's a bonus, not a reduction for that. Anyway, so rule set and crunch. So this is the hack of a hack of a hack, right? Regardless, I feel like even with that, it feels like its own thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it is so separate from Stay Frosty that if they would have just put in like like we said, maybe not even a page worth of extra bits here and there, they could have completely separated well, themselves. Would, I do would this be originality. Uh uh maybe in maybe in parts because originally kind of covers all of the scores but as far as rule set though obviously we love it yeah obviously we love it yeah i i totally agree i think that despite it carrying over rules from say frosty and but at this point there's such it's been it's been mutated so much from the black hack that the only thing that i even know or can instantly see is the way that usage die are used and and in this it's barely even noticeable um because yeah and it's carrying over rules from stay frosty which uh i feel like i don't know where i would i would dock points for the uh for the not not putting them in i would say honestly in this section uh in the rule set because i just feel like i i wish that they just carried those three lines of text over because i think it literally might have been three times that they mentioned it but uh even even with that like it's not the the game is not difficult uh despite having a lot of fucking rules um well i don't even just, think it's got that many it's only 30 well, yeah, pages. it's not really rules as much as it is uh 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 guidelines for how various things can work or, gotcha. or okay. options options i guess really a lot of his okay. options um mm-hmm. yeah i i think that i'm gonna fucking go with i mean i want to give it a 10 but i'm gonna be i'm gonna be critical oh, no no rule set has ever gotten a 10 and i don't think anyone ever will no um, I'm gonna because it, we I'm can always like yeah i, I um, just yeah no, it's one thing for for like childhood like reminiscent reasons that's why i'm just like i just love it yeah um, one thing that I find interesting, and I'd be curious to talk to Andrew about it, is, um, and I'd be curious also to know, like, they made a concerted effort to bring up Stay Frosty as many times as they could. You know what I mean? And yeah. I feel like they didn't need to. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying I'm curious why, because it doesn't even say they could have just said Slipgate Choke Point, but it even specifically says that it is a Stay Frosty supplement. Yeah. Right. As opposed to um, and it specifically says, like, when they easily could have just put those rules in here, they said you have to have Stay Frosty to play it, which is an interesting choice. So I'm curious if they're like the 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 intent behind that. And I wonder if it's because there's not like a third party license, but I'm pretty sure that there is in in this or if they reached out to Corey or what. Actually, I don't see anything in here that says that they can. So I'm just really curious why they didn't yeah. just write in the front cover, you know, 
um, uh, in, inspired by, say, Frosty or something like that. Like, that's what's really interesting to me. But I do think that there is a rule, a little bit of a knock for having to for for easily being able to have those rules in and not like that does. We did bring it up numerous times and we did have to on more than one occasion go back to the other one read the thing and do it again um i think crunch wise i think it's perfect i don't think mm -hmm. i would want any less guidance or options and i yeah. but i do think if you had like you know even more i feel like it would be unnecessary i feel like it's light but gets out of its own way like you said i feel like there are a lot of mechanics in it where we just went like uh, it that like that's so fucking cool right jibbing is yeah. so fucking cool stunt dice is so fucking cool like yeah. there's so many times even in the mechanics where we were like that they did that in such a good way that's a clever way to do that so i think as far as a rule set and crunch goes as far as an adaptation i mean especially in the mode that my brain is in as far as like really being into combat games i think eight i think eight is is i think this is one of the games where it's an eight and once we get it to the table and play it, we might come back and call it a nine. Yeah, you know? I, I totally agree with you because I feel like once you feel the rules being like implemented, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be even better. Um, yeah, they but did, when they we did look such at... a good job with like, and, and I feel like it's 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 the kind of game that I want to make shit for. Like yeah. I want to make a book of fucking power up items and like weapons and stuff like i want to do that i just want to make a book of, of weapons for slipgate choke point like i feel like that would just be so much fucking fun fucking fun to do yeah i'm trying to go back and look at games where we actually gave nines to and you know i think in comparison eight feels good because there we only have a couple of games we gave nines to um and we're talking about kingdoms which is my favorite game like uh, i can't like it's so good we're talking about uh necronautilus which when you really sit and read what adam did with necronautilus the way that words are used and the way that like it's just it's so fucking good that between kingdoms and necronautilus those are probably the two closest to tens that me and hunter have ever ever th like got to saying i mean frontier scum got a nine too because i also think that one is fucking genius carl drew did an amazing fucking job um those are probably the closest we ever got and the problem too is it's just like different like tastes i think keep us from getting a 10 but i think eight feels really good because i think this doesn't yeah. quite have the depth of some of those other games even though the way what they did with what they did they did i think in my opinion perfectly so i think eight eight feels really good for this too yeah um, all right. So originality is kind of a combination of all of the stuff. So the lore mixed with the art mixed with the rule set mixed with all of that. Um, so a lot of the ways that I start thinking of originality, I just go, has this been done before? And then you go kind of like, yes or no. And then it's like, but has it been done in this way before? So I'm trying to think of, has there been a doom or quake or 90s fps action heavy combat game been done before that you can think of um not that i know of i know of several games that have tried to emulate newer uh newer video games and first person shooters and stuff um and arpgs and such but i i i genuinely cannot think of one off the top of my head that emulates the early 90s stuff and uh holy hell does this emulate it like so well like so like, so well like the way that's, this, 
we went over it a, 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 for two hours now, but like just the way that even the way that some of the rules just are are written and don't even have flavor attached to them, but just the way that they exist on the page emulates the fucking gameplay of the game that it's trying to it just is it's just so good um, it's so good I, and it's... I would honestly give the originality for this a 10 for that in my opinion i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a 10 i don't care what your rules are <laughs> okay all right well i i thank you for the insight um no the um i i i agree for the most part i mean here's the thing is like i don't Again, we talk, we're not going to get into the discourse again, but I feel like there are people that would knock this for trying to emulate a video game, and I don't understand why they yeah. would, because, like, yeah. first of all, those video games are fucking fun. So you, you're you telling me that I can do all of the fun shit I can do in that video game, but then have the freedom to do it at the table so I can make choices that aren't, like, like stuck by code that was written yeah. in the 1990s? Like, I can do yeah. whatever I fucking want. I can... I can have, I can, not only can I do whatever the fuck I want, like with the stunts, I literally can decide whatever cool batshit crazy shit I want to do and even try to do that. Like there, I think that's a, that's a, a, a massive bonus, um, yeah. not a, not a flaw to try to emulate something. And this isn't like one of those things where it's like, um, I'm not a huge fan when people try to emulate uh reality so much it's just like yeah well an, an arrow wouldn't do that i don't care it's a fucking game right but like doom is also not trying to emulate reality it's yeah. it's it's because you're not battling demonic eldritch horrors in real life yet um but yeah. like i do think that um gosh yeah i mean between the art between so much of the game between the rule set like the lore even when you actually really dig deep into like the flight domain and read the adventures and stuff i think you know i think it's really really well done so what we do at this point really is look at previous games and then compare and go what else has got nines and tens do we think that this is more so or less than that and really i think there's only been uh one or two tens for originality and i think they might both be from the same person i think that both Necronautilus and uh, Cyber Metal are the only tens we've ever given for originality. And if we look at nines comparatively, we're looking at things like Kingdoms. We're looking at Viking Death Squad, which is actually a really fun, insane. This actually reminds me of this a tiny bit, but you're literally 10,000 years in the future as undead Viking warriors brought back to life to battle like a demonic alien invasion. Yeah. Um, uh, Cyborg, we actually gave a nine to because we think that the way that Cyborg did Cyberpunk was a really unique, interesting way. And that's really it as far as like nines and tens, you know? Um to defend my to defend my score choice uh i i really do think that this is just in its own in its own category like that's that's one of the reasons why i feel like i i a 10 works for me is just there there is no other i'm not personally a fan of people video gamifying rpgs as i said uh -huh. in the beginning of this whole stream but uh it just did it so well, and I cannot think of any other RPG that I would play or that I can even think of that even remotely does that video game style so well. Um, so that's why well, I'm going to well, give it a 10. Yeah. Not only that, though, too, it's also like 
name me another game that feels this like combat centric without having to dive into like 4e giving you cards to keep track of all of your powers yep. or because to me this is a combat focus game that doesn't feel like a skirmish game like it doesn't yep. feel like a skirmish game at all but every aspect of this is designed to have you kill and murder and and keep going and, and be in combat and go and go and go murder game um, yeah you know, I'm gonna go ahead and say ten with you because I, I feel you. like my I feel like my my brain wants to say nine, um, but but my heart wants to say ten. Um, I I fucking love this game. This is the reason that I've wanted to go over this game for 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 quite a while now, um, and it's it's because it's fucking good. Um, value wise, okay. So um, what uh, what what is the how do you even fucking get this game right now? I don't even remember where I bought this. So. Um, Let's go to Slipgate Choke Point. Um, we can go to there's a drive-through RPG one, and then I don't know of anyone where. Uh... What's up? It's seven dollars. Yeah, seven dollars and fifteen cents on um, on drive-through, and it's eight dollars and seventeen cents on um, Andrew's itch page. Um, oh, and the physical version can be bought direct from the right? author yeah. or from Igloo Tree. So click it on direct from the author. Slipgate choke point is 20 pounds. Um, gosh, is there any more? Exalted Funeral. 30 bucks at Exalted. And how much is it on Igloo? 20 pounds on Exalted, which, man, that's a little expensive on um, on Exalted then because the pound is not that much more than the dollar right now. Um Gosh, Andrew's page is so fucking good. If you listen, if you if you are listening to this at all, go check out Andrew's like itch page, check out their art. They're a fucking amazing asset to the TTRPG community. And it's absolutely amazing. So um that's well, you're paying I, I think... twenty-five at Igloo Tree, uh USD, but you're also gonna be paying a shit ton of money in Plus shipping. shipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh you can get it at uh Monkey Paw for thirty-seven Canadian. Which drops it to like thirty-ish bucks, but then you pay fifteen bucks for Canadian. So thirty dollars from Exalted. It's the cheapest way that you're going to get it. Or again, eight seventeen for the PDF directly from Andrew, or seven fifteen from um from that. I think fuck thirty. I mean, how many pages is this thing? Eighty-four Over, pages. Oh, eighty-four. Yeah, eighty-four. Yeah, it's pages. eighty. Yeah, it's like eighty pages. I think that um for a, a fat perfect pound, God, I would buy this in hardback. Um. I uh I think that's a solid um I think that's a solid I think that's a that's a pretty bang average value. I think that's a solid that's exactly what I would charge for it. I think it's a pretty inexpensive PDF though. I think I minimum that I would I would expect this PDF to be is honestly ten to fifteen dollars for a book yeah. of this size. Um yeah. so that's a great value there. So that's a point up right there. Um I yeah, the think fact that, that it comes with it comes with an adventure. It comes with monster creation tables. Uh, rules for how to run and write adventures, rules for how to adjudicate rules, uh, or not rules, guidelines for how to adjudicate rules, and then, um, yeah, all that stuff. The only negativity or, or downside to the value in my point, in my opinion, is the fact that it doesn't just have the stay frosty rules included in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, and I, yeah, and I don't disagree with that, but let's click on stay frosty and see, uh, it is $3.49. Yeah. So, I mean, so, relatively inexpensive, but you do have to add that into the cost of the PDF. And if you do, you roughly get $10. So, yeah. uh, still pretty average. Um, I don't see, and again, like, you know, 
I know licensing is a big important thing right now, but there isn't anything in State Frosty or in this that specifically says, like, do what you want. You know, there is a thing that just it's got the standard like redistribution without prior consent is prohibited. So there's nothing that says, you know, do what you want with the game. So I'd be curious about, you know, making more content for it and what the rules would be to that. We'd have to reach out to, to Andrew to find out that. So there's no specific third party license. I don't see a lot of other third party content written for it outside of that. There is another book, though. Um, there is uh, an adventure already written. It's called Electronics. Um, it is a Slipgate checkpoint adventure written by Andrew Walter with another just fucking amazing batch of art on the front. Um, it is another 64 pages, um, roughly the same the same cost of the other stuff. I will say the adventure does have um, color art in it, though, but we're not rating the adventure, Ooh. but it does exist. So that's fucking cool. Um, I mean, as far as value wise, you know, I love that you can get the maps um, for like a dollar. So the entire thing on PDF with um, Stay Frosty, Slipgate, and the maps is going to rough you up like 12 bucks. I mean, great, great value. Honestly, yeah. Andrew, do me a solid, print this in hardback, and if you really wanted to do me more of a solid, just put these two together in one combined hardback version, and I would buy the fuck out of this. Make um, sure you put two ribbon bookmarks in it. Yeah, and add Stay Frosty as an add-on. Um, yeah. So you know, I think it's I think it's I think it's about average value. I mean, I would honestly put this probably about like a six, maybe. As far as value, I don't think there's anything crazy above and beyond. I love that you can get the maps, but you know, I think it's you know five is not bad. It's just average, right? That's how that we talk about this a lot. Uh, I would probably put this right around like between a six and seven. What are your thoughts on that? I was gonna say seven, just because. Yeah, I feel like it's good. It's 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 slightly above average in my opinion, Um, but. I think I'm just letting my uh, my love yeah. for it start to cloud my judgment. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we'll go six because I think I think yeah, the yeah. value wise, I think is it, it's a it's it's good it's for a, the PDF, but I don't feel like you can just get the PDF because you also have to get the Safe Frosty PDF and then you can't yeah. get the map. So yeah. I feel like the the cost of the book is average. There's not a whole lot of extra stuff. There is an adventure you can buy. I'm gonna we'll give it a point up for that and we'll we'll give this a six, which unfortunately will drop the overall score. But if you look at all the rest of it, I mean, gosh, you know, it's yeah. it's fucking stacked um so math because i can't do basic math so we got eight plus eight plus eight plus ten plus six we're looking at a 40 fuck me for a game that got a a one score as a six 40 is crazy i think the highest score we've ever given out is a 44 um and very few games have gotten a 40 rub. I honestly think it's less than five or six games, and we've rated close to, God, 50, 60 games at this point. So, yeah, a f- we said 40, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, honestly, outside of the value, which could easily go up, because that could change just by literally having, just being, oh, yeah, third-party shit, whatever, or, like, here's a here's another little thing. I think 40 for this is exactly where I feel like it should be. And honestly, it's one of it's one of my favorite games I've ever. I would put this in top five game, like honestly, easily. Yeah, put this honestly, in top five after game. reading it the yeah. first time, I immediately knew that this was I'm going to buy the fucking physical copy. I'm going to buy the adventure book. I'm going to make stuff for this and I'm going to give Andrew Walter my money because yeah. Yeah. it's Everyone. just shit. 
everyone yeah. go give Andrew Walter your money. I mean, not only not only the art, you know, again, I mean, honestly, you buy anything from Troika and you'll see Andrew's art all over it. There's a reason that all the books are fucking gorgeous. But I like making their own stuff with this. I wish I mean, Andrew, make more stuff, make more stuff for this. When did this come out? Uh, 2020, uh, because it says yeah. AW20 on the front. When did electronics come out? Um, that would be. Da, 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 2021 so it's been a couple of years i think it's time for another i think it's time for more andrew so if you're listening honestly seriously um and, and paul that's not i mean so paul cronin also wrote this as well um yeah. and then there is uh, another person we don't we want to make sure um so andrew paul and ambica um oh, are all uh in uh uh i'm sorry what'd you say I was just saying Ambika. Uh, yeah, Ambika Kirkland, um, Andrew Walter, and Paul Cronin. All amazing. Um, this does say Andrew Walter just on the cover of that one. But honestly, amazing. The book is amazing. Um, Andrew's art is amazing. Uh, you did amazing fucking job at this. Good fucking job. In case you ever listen to this, um, would love to play the shit out of this. We'll be playing this sooner than later, especially now that I have another devotee. Um, so thank you. Uh, that was Slipgate Chugpoint. Really? This is it. Kirby, uh, where can people find all of Disaster Tourism stuff? Uh, you can find my stuff at disastertourism.games. Um, we've got a bunch of cool stuff coming out very, very soon. Guild is about to be published physically and digitally, uh, waiting on some final proofs for edits and the adventure book to be uh, edited up. And then we're going to be sending that out and fulfilling that from our Kickstarter, but we will also be obviously selling it on our website. Um, I've got a few other books on my website right now. I've got a really just spectacular mothership and i don't like to toot my own horn but uh the mother this mothership adventure that i'm about to publish with uh space penguin is coming out this month and it's really fucking good um so i'm really excited about that got some other cool stuff happening in the near future but uh yeah you can follow me on twitter at dtrpgs i have a Substack stuff cool yeah the dead horse and, and all that yeah the dead so, horse yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, this is Kirby Franklin, Disaster Tourism, amazing friend of the show, amazing content creator. This is definitely buy, buy, buy all the shit. Go to the website, buy all the shit. Um, it's fantastic. Um, and we are the Weekly Scroll here on the Adventure Archive. You can find us at the.weekly.scroll uh, on Instagram. I promise. For the love of God, I will be updating it soon. I haven't since like December. Um, you can find us on Twitter. That's where you find most of our stuff and all of our uh, announcements at weekly underscore scroll. And you can find our uh, parent brand, I guess, The Adventure Archive on YouTube. Do us a favor. If you're listening or watching, go over there. Drop us a sub. Uh, we're really trying to... Uh, to we, we passed 700 subs recently, which is uh, uh, something I never thought we would do, and that's really cool. So go go check us out there, um, and you can find other things on our channel as well. On Tuesdays, we do Seance with Source of Victory, which is a Death Trap dungeon uh, design stream. A lot of amazing design content stuff that's really great to listen to. And right now, we're running Cyborg on Thursdays. That's where you can find here on the adventure archive um thank you for being in chat really appreciate that thank you for listening and kirby thank you so much for coming on this was a really for super fun me. episode it was great yeah. to talk and pick your brain and hear your thoughts so that's it that's our episode so everyone you all have a wonderful day and we will see you next week bye, bye.